Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the Fun Filtered Podcast. I am Sam and I am joined as interminably ever by Jordan. Hello. And here's what's coming up. We revisit Mufasa. We go deep on Velma Dinkley, talk about the recent developments with Velma Dinkley and all the Velma Dinkley stuff, a lot of Velma stuff, and miscellaneous mystery machine madness shit. Sam grumbles for a bit about the current state of television. Which trails neatly into a double feature lexicorner. Sam's lexicorner. I talk a little bit about the film Mad God. And I talk a little bit about the film Vengeance. And we both talk a little bit longer about the Midnight Club. Jord. Yeah? On the last episode, mm. we talked about James Earl Jones. Yeah. And tangentially Mufasa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's not voicing Mufasa in the upcoming oh, he's prequel. Not. He's not doing it. Oh, right, okay. So, Barry Jenkins is directing this new Mufasa film. I've heard of that person. Moonlight. And yes, that's, that's what Moonlight it is. Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. So, obviously, Mufasa's okay. the next step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's set in Africa. Yeah. It's all about the natives in Africa. I know, but I was thinking that with, like, uh, uh, what's his, Ryan Coogler. Mm. Like, you start with Fruitvale Station, a yeah. very socially conscious... Uh, it's about the shooting of a black man by the police. Yeah. Then you do Creed, which mm. is like, oh, it's got some race stuff, but not really. Then Black Panther. Mm. But he's young, right? Coogler? Is like, he? relatively speaking. Like, he's in his 30s, right? He's not, like, in his 40s or 50s. Okay, all right. Whereas Barry Jenkins, I think, is a bit older. It feels weird... That you would do Moonlight. I think you'd slept before that. Hmm. But you do Moonlight, then you do Beale Street, and then you do your mini-series about slavery. Yeah. And now you do Mufasa. I don't know, it's, just, it's kind of a weird That's trajectory. just what Hollywood had for him. He's, he's, done, he's yeah. gone on the same trajectory as a lot of people seem to go on. Which yeah, is, yeah. You do your, your, your big debut. Yeah. Maybe you do something after that. Yeah. Then you do the big blockbuster. Yeah. Like, who, what did... Um, it's Captain Marvel thing, isn't it? Yeah, Captain Marvel, Kong Skull Island. Like, most of the directors... That, yeah seem to get scooped up now. Mm. They've all done a small indie and, and like a known indie and then It's always interesting to, to see what film they end up doing. Either like, oh, this is what the studio thought was suitable for them mm. or what they wanted to do. I mean, obviously it's both at the end of the day. Mm. But like Gareth Edwards did yeah. Monsters. Yes. Okay, so he's obviously into sci-fi and stuff. Godzilla seems like, yeah, fair enough. He, mm. No, Robert Eggers with Nosferatu. Yeah. That seems right. Mm -hmm. But like Jordan was evoked or whatever. Evoked Robert. Yeah. What was his thing? I think The Kings of Summer, I think was his thing. Which is a a, a coming of age teen movie. Right. About nostalgia and like, Mm. you know, boys being boys in the summer. uh, The dog days. Uh, and then he did Kong Skull Island. It's, it is a weird... <laughs> well, that was all Vietnam-y, wasn't it? So maybe there, there was some do... like vague bullshit I mean, the, connection a lot between of... like nostalgia and boys being boys and the Vietnam War. Well, it's, uh, it's more like King, Kings of Summer, a lot of it is set in a forest. Oh, there, so there I guess so they for a jungle. Yeah, okay. jungle, yeah. Is that what it... And also like, be that nostalgia shower? for like, you know, when you're young and you're a teenager, that's like a positive nostalgia. But mm. Vietnam War, that's like a negative nostalgia. So it's like yeah. the inverse of the thing that he... Yeah, it's like, it's like it going from, oh, you had to be there to, you weren't there, yeah, man. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that yeah that pendulum. Okay, well, uh, yeah, so it's a prequel about Mufasa during his formative years, mm-hmm. but it's also a sequel, centering on both his origins and the events after the first film. This is Mufasa. Yeah. After the Lion King. It's, a, yes. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's him after the Lion King. I was going to say he is the one no, that dies. This right? is what it's been compared to in the Deadline Hollywood article. Okay, The Godfather Two. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. is? Have you seen Part Two? The Godfather. Yeah. Not yet. No. No. Okay. So obviously Vito. Can you spoil the Godfather? <laughs> Vito dies. I'm sure you're about to. Yeah, yeah. Vito dies in The Godfather. Okay. Uh, Marlon Brando. Yeah. And then in the sequel, it follows Michael's, you know, further ascendancy. Yeah. While uh, flashing back to Robert De Niro as a young Vito coming to America from Sicily. Okay. And, you know, the roots of the mafia. Okay. The Italian-American experience. So that's what they've, they, that's what they've compared it to. So we'll get a young Mufasa... Hmm. And then I guess Simba as an adult, like pro- probably having some experience that parallels Mufasa's okay. formative. Right. Some shit, like, I don't know, like Stand By Me or something, but where the dad's not dead. And this was totally necessary. No, Stand By Me, the fu- you know what I'm saying. So it'll be... No, sta- I know the film was that. Mufasa, the film was Muf- totally Mufasa is Stand By Me, but the dad is dead. Carry on. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and this was totally necessary. This was worth doing. This was worth doing. What now? This Mufasa series where... Oh, yeah. We we follow Mufasa in the past, but also Simba, presumably, in the present. Yeah. What can you... What can you do about... What can you do with this? It, I mean, it's just gonna be... I know there is a Lion King 2, and isn't there, like, a Lion King 1 and a half or something? Silly? Something like that. Well, okay, so... Um, I was gonna say, the, like, the Lion King, it's a parable. Mm. I know that it's often compared to, like, Hamlet. It's like, oh, it's Hamlet, but with lions. Well, that's, you know, that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, you've got, like, the treacherous uncle, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's literally the only thing I know about Hamlet. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I apologize I, to I, all the culture There's literally, isn't there a character in The Lion King? Iago? Iago, right? That's a... Maybe. Or if there's not... Oh, I don't know if they're actually called it. But yeah, there are facsimiles of... It, it is Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. This is a very interesting detour. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a semi-interesting detour. Okay. The Lion King, mm. I think... Awards-wise, not that it got nominated in this category, but I think maybe a couple, it qualified as the best original screenplay. Where yes. do you draw the line? Oh, you mean the remake? No, no, I mean the 1994 Lion King. Was best it, original screenplay. Was it not the original score, then? No, screenplay. Oh, screenplay. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I thought you said score for some reason. No, I mean, um, yeah, the very similar words, so I can understand your confusion. <laughs> uh, best original screenplay. No, it's, I, it'll, did it'll, I say score? You, are you gaslighting Yeah, it'll me? be interesting going back and editing and seeing which one of us is the more, like, crazy person. I mean, just... You've really, you've thrown me for a loop now. I don't know what I said. Okay, I apologise. Best I was... original score. Would I have said that? <laughs> I apologise if I'm the one who fucked it up. But, I, so you're saying that, like... Do we know if it's directly adapted from Hamlet? Is it, well, I, I don't... I mean, does it any in any way, like, suggest, like, oh, this is based on... Well, do, well it is Hamlet. I mean, what, what do you mean? Yeah, but have they acknowledged that it's based on Hamlet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like West Side Stories, Romeo and Juliet sort of thing. Hmm. But I don't know where you draw the line. Because it's not an adaptation of Hamlet. Yeah. It's not. It really is its own story. Mm-hmm. But it's Hamlet. Yeah. Like, you need do nothing to it. Like, like other than with Hamlet, like, are oh, there lions now? Yeah. And that kind of is The Lion King. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a tricky one. I don't know where you, where you would draw Does the line. Does Hamlet fall into... this? I don't know if we did a Sam's Like Scorner for this, but it's mm. definitely something I've brought up on the podcast before. You've got certain films where their plots have just become template plots for other films yeah. almost. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Like a lot of high-concept sitcoms yeah. will do those episodes. Yes. Is Hamlet one of those 
where it's a story so like yes whatever you want to call it but it's a story that you can just transplant onto something else oh yeah in the same I mean, way they've done with Groundhog Day I mean even Hamlet's probably because like a lot I don't know about Hamlet uh, particularly but a lot of Shakespeare's plays themselves weren't fully original mm. he was adapting like Italian right play, stuff like that okay yeah I, I don't like I said I don't know the specifics about Hamlet but that thing of even if it's not uncle, father, son, mm. it's like Gladiator. You could say that about like yeah. come back to Gladiator as well. <laughs> uh, Joaquin Phoenix is the emperor's son, mm. his actual son. Yeah, but he's weak and he's kind of shallow and he just he's power hungry. Mm. Whereas Maximus is like is not the emperor's son, but he's the one that he wants to be his son. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix kills the emperor and then Maximus also his family, but he avenges that. The Lighthouse is that kind of... Not the Lighthouse, fucking The Northman is, okay. is that kind of story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, Revenge Tales, there was all this mm. time, aren't they? Um, but, but we still call those Revenge Tales. We don't call them Gladiators. Mm. There, It is still, like... Even though Gladiator is the go-to example... For... For that type of story. Yeah. We don't think of them as Gladiator clones. Because it predates Gladiator. This is what I'm saying. Like Gladiator right. is like a Hamlet. Okay, all right. That's what I'm saying. Like if you if you remove the strict familial aspect, mm. that thing of powerful people, yeah, like palace intrigue, uh, scumbag kills the king, mm. and then the heir to the throne or the ostensible heir to the throne is outcast and has to come back and mm. seize it and kill the bad guy. You know, that's yeah that's everywhere like yeah, that yeah. probably predates you know, like I said that probably predates Hamlet yeah okay do you know what I mean I, all I'm saying is like forget the story template I said the fact that it is Hamlet with lions and songs mm. does that count as I mean it is an adaptation but it's not a strict adaptation well yeah that's yeah I think it calls really into question the whole idea of a original and adapted screenplay because <laughs> that is they are arbitrary anyway mm. I mean only because like you point to a thing that exists and go right that book and basing it on that book. Yeah. But then things, as we've said, I'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast before, things like The King's Speech and Spotlight are original screenplays because they're not based on any text or any... Yeah, even though they're recounting things that happened. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and in the case of Spotlight, in a very comprehensive... It's like an article. Spotlight you know, in particular is weirdly yeah. like... Because surely you could say, oh, that's based on those articles. No... <sighs> Because all, kind of. all of the information that is in Spotlight was, like, recorded in text. Yeah. And that text would have been their primary reference point when doing the film, I imagine. I don't think so. No, no, because it, it's... Like, interviewing it's about, people. It's well. about the experience of the people who are writing it. Yeah. But it's also, so, like, what The information that... Yes. That would... You get... And what they but found that's like, is, is a But text. that's, like, a quarter of the story, right? Like, I, I, I suppose. How they yeah. went about getting it is is the story of that film. Okay. But yeah, so I think that kind of, you know, and what counts as, what, what counts as adapted that, like, really isn't. Mm. I guess the TV show Fargo, that's an adaptation. That, if, if that was a film, it would be in the adapted ca- yeah. category. Toy Story 2 would be adapted. Any sequel is an adaptation because it's based on the first it, film. It's not, it's not though? No, but that's how it works. Okay. If you're a sequel mm. or you use any character that's appeared in anything... You're an adapted screenplay. Right. Logan would be an adapted screenplay. Okay. Even though, like, ignoring the comic book thing. But that's the just thing. The fact that, that it, yeah, that is based on source material. Yeah, but ignoring that, if that was just, it's a Wolverine movie, 
and we are doing our own thing with it, yeah. it would be an adapted screenplay because the character of Wolverine is a pre-existing thing. Um, I don't know. It's arbitrary. I just get rid of it. Go, it's the one thing, one place where the Golden Globes are on the money. They just do best screenplay. Okay. And I think that's the way to go. Anyway. Right. Aaron Pierre and Kelvin Harrison Jr. have been cast as Mufasa and Scar, respectively. I don't know who Aaron Pierre is. Okay. I think Kelvin Harrison Jr. maybe is in Moonlight. Right. He's one of these young black actors. Though I did read one article because I googled, like, is James Earl Jones voicing Mufasa? Hmm. And there was a couple of articles, I guess they just kind of, the one copied the erroneous other, that reported that Jeremy Irons was voicing Mufasa. <laughs> right, okay. I was like, surely not. Yeah. Surely not. And yeah, that's not the case. If they didn't bring him back for Lion King, the show is hell not going to replace Mufasa. Yeah, yeah. Um, the film will not be a remake of The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. Okay. Which is the 98 directed video sequel. Yeah, yeah. And the ori- all the original animated film. Yeah, and it's going to be called Mufasa the Lion King. Right, so, okay. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that ball mentioning. No, that's fine. I mean, that yeah. was pure speculation on my part. It, yeah. just, it just made sense. And I guess mm. that's how bad journalism happens. You just put things together in your head. But we've never claimed to be journalists, journalists thankfully. Yeah. We are just like people with opinions. But yeah, okay. Well, at least you cleared that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least for now, Mufasa is safe. Mufasa is safe. They're still building yeah. a database of James Earl Jones's voice. Oh, There's no d- reason they won't use it in the future. I, sa- I say that, right? Because oh, it's a young Mufasa. Yeah. So they can get away with casting this Aaron Pierre, whoever that is. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hear James Earl Jones's voice in the film. You're going to. I don't know. You're going to. You're going to get a Godfather 2 style, although not strictly. So originally in Godfather 2, right, the idea was for the final scene of The Godfather 2 mm. is you seriously need to watch The Godfather okay, 2. Okay, all right. I can't sorry. believe I'm having to explain The Godfather 2 to you <laughs> when we do a film review show. Just say enjoy. Yeah, no, I <laughs> saw The Godfather earlier But not this year. 2. The original ending of part 2 mm. was, by this point, the family's just been destroyed mm. either they're all dead or like just you know the relationships are destroyed mm. and then it flashes back to a fa- a birthday party that they're holding for Vito yeah and they're all waiting for him and then he arrives off screen mm. and they all leave one by one to greet him and you just kind of linger on the empty room which is a perfect ending to that film but originally they wanted to get Marlon Brando back for like a quick cameo at mm. the end and you'd see the family as a unit before they were, you know, before it disintegrated. Uh, they're going to do something like that. You're going to get a scene where he's the lion, he's Mufasa from the Lion King yeah. before his death with some foreshadowing. You're going to see Skarlik eyeing him in the background. <laughs> uh, you, you're going to get that. Yeah. There's no way they're going to do Mufasa without James Earl Jones' voice in there somewhere. I don't know. If, they, if they've if they opened... if. I'm assuming we're in the early stages of marketing for this show. This is like the first round of... It was at the Disney Expo. Yeah. So okay. yeah, the very first if, if one of the first things we know about the show is that James Earl Jones... Oh, film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. It's weird now <laughs> that they've announced... The... Isn't it um, Armored Wars? The Marvel thing. Yeah, that's the War Machine show. It's yeah, called Armored right. Wars or yes. something. That was a show for the longest time and now it's a film. Oh, it's a film. Is it... Aren't they doing like a Halloween thing as well? Oh, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, like a short maybe, yeah. or yeah. I, don't I know. only bring up Armored Wars because it it crossed my uh, attention yeah. field. I I I don't want to keep up with Marvel. No, no, no. I I've literally I've seen the title. I didn't even know it was the War Machine thing. Okay, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a show, and now it's a film. And right. that feels like a weird way... Of, like, surely they would do it the other way around. It's like, it's a film, but now it's a show to give it more attention. Yeah. What does the fact that it's now a film say about how that production's Not going? Not enough material. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was Mufasa. Okay. Also kind of a callback to the last episode. Okay. Velma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Fuck. Okay. So you alerted me to this. Um, well, they, this was actually because of the last episode. There's a moment yes, on the last episode. I it was. Yeah, there was a moment on the last episode where we're speculating as to what Velma's last name would be. It's Dinkley, isn't it? It's Dinkley, That's why yeah. Jinkies, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mocked you for Jinkies. Yeah. And it turns out you were nearly <laughs> on the money. Dinkley. Yeah. So I typed in Velma on Google so that I could find out what the last name was. And I pressed enter. Mm. And LGBTQ flags. Yeah. Rained, rained from the top of Google like confetti. I didn't also know. a variety of LGBT. Yeah, you had like the race one that's got like yeah. the, the 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 race triangle yeah, yeah. or the POC triangle, whatever the fuck's it, fuck it's called. And then you had one the of pork the, rhombus. the the pork rhombus. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had like I'm assuming the lesbian one. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I I don't. Know. I know they have specific flags for each like denomination, but I I don't know what those ones again. Are. I feel like. We've done this before, where we've broken down the LGBTQ mm. blah 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 thing, and like, like infinitely dissecting it apart. Like, oh, I'm a lesbian, but I, you know, I wear yeah. slacks, yeah. so I'm this type of. And I offered an alternative, which was fab. Yes, P H A B. I'm glad you remembered it. Yeah, I was. I, I panicked for a second because <laughs> I didn't think I would. Yeah, fab, which is parasexual. Yeah heterosexual, asexual, bisexual, and homosexual. Mm. That covers everything. Yeah. That is everything. Anyway, it feels similar to that where isn't the point of the rainbow flag is that it's all the colors of the rainbow. Yeah. yeah. It's every. It's everything. Mm. You don't need to then have, oh, so what's the gay flag? No, it <laughs> is. That is the gay. It's... Well, they've got, they've got too many now. Yeah. Like, if we... But I don't think it was meant to be that, like, I don't think the idea behind the rainbow coalition thing was... Oh, yeah, red is gay. <laughs> Orange is lesbian. It's not like LGBT. Yeah, I wasn't the, the flag. No, no, the, the whole flag is everything. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. But now there are enough, I don't know, sub-nations, I guess, that they... Yeah. they it's, it would be like if we had an Earth flag. Yes, and then all the nation flags. Yeah, back when we were Pangea, we had a Pangea flag. Pan as well. Yeah. Uh, there you go, yeah. 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 Um, and, then it broke, and then we broke off into the seven continents. It's like, well, yeah. we're still, like, we're a bit scattered, but yeah. it's only seven of us. Mm. And then someone along the way we became, like, 280 countries, or however many there are. Yeah. Like, oh, we should probably have 196. Flags. 196, yeah. yeah. Recognised so, internationally. Okay. Just saying. All right. <laughs> Still, they were like, okay, there's more than seven of us now. Yeah. We should probably have flags. Yeah. And I guess maybe the same thing's happened in the uh, the community. But I mean, again, it's like that the fact that race is on there. It's like, well, that's mm. just a different dimension entirely. Yeah. Like, that's got <laughs> yeah, you're just throwing in something else. Oppression. Anyway. anyway we've had this conversation yes. too many times. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so these flags came raining down from Google. Like, I am like... Gay what? confetti. Yeah, gay, literally gay yeah. confetti. Although they were the full flags. It wasn't like gay coloured confetti. Butt bunting. But it wasn't <laughs> butt bunting. It was literally just the flags. Yeah. So it was very cumbersome uh, cumbersome confetti. Yes. It yeah, was, it was dense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 27 years. It was like a screen wipe almost. Yeah, screen wipe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 27 years I've been alive. Yeah. Most of those I've been using Google. Yeah. Never encountered this before. Nothing like that, no. I started frantically Googling all the gay people I knew. 
<laughs> I was like, right, yeah. Russell T. Davis, uh, yeah. fucking Ben Whishaw. Like, I'm just right. Googling as many people as I could think of. Yes. No, not happening anywhere else. No, yeah. It's because of the news. And what that's why yes. I brought it to your attention, because I was like, yes. Sam, please confirm this has happened, because I, d- I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and you confirmed that it was indeed happening. I don't know if it's still happening, actually. I haven't bothered Google. Oh, I don't. I doubt it. Like, surely it's not that big a fucking deal. I don't know. I mean, but then again, I suppose it's not like it's the homepage. Yeah. You do have to Google her. Like Scooby- I know Scooby-Doo is a big deal. I feel like Scooby-Doo is one of those properties where like it's deceptively... No one really knows like how big a deal Scooby-Doo is. But before we d- dive into the story, yeah, I told my father about it, about okay. the story. He likes Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I always liked Scooby-Doo. Yo, who doesn't like Scooby-Doo? I was like, did he? <laughs> but like, he still liked it. Do you know I mean? He okay. doesn't watch it. Right? No, like, no. Like, yeah. But like, he has an affection for it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, think I liked it. I mean, you, I liked the live action film. When you think of like pillars of pop culture, mm. I think it would take me a while to get to Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And yet the sheer magnitude of that franchise can't be denied. Well, you take it for granted. It's just like, oh yeah, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. You don't get yeah. much of it. But yeah, it's like it, it's like Batman, basically. Because there's no like one true canon to Scooby-Doo anymore. No. It's so many different versions. Well, my father it. said, are they still making it? I was like, oh, they've never... Yeah, they've never stopped. They've never stopped. This is an ongoing, like, yeah. like 20 different series and yeah, yeah. Yeah, films. Uh, Velma's gay. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it comes around to Velma is now officially. Gay. She's officially canonically one of the gays. Gay. Yeah, I mean, okay. I want to preface the whatever we're going to do about this. Okay. <laughs> by just saying I don't care that Velma's gay. No. All right. As in, like, why would I give a shit? Yeah. I don't care that someone's gay. It's nothing. Mm. It's nothing. It's. It's theory dust or whatever. Okay. Uh, appropriately. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> are lesbians fairies? <laughs> you don't think of it. They're not, are they? They're like, no, they're, they're lumberjacks. They're truck drivers. <laughs> yeah, fairy girl doesn't have the same rigors. No. A fairy is an effeminate man. Yeah. Because it's like a girl. Uh, mm. But yeah. What do you, I mean, I know there's loads of derogatory terms that I won't list. Mm. But Yeah. You wouldn't go, oh yeah, you fucking... <laughs> oh, you, what, would, what would you say? If you weren't going down the traditional route of, you know, yeah. dyke, etc. Hmm. What would you... What, what would be the equivalent of fairy? The uh, obverse you, of fairy? Yeah, you brute. <laughs> yeah, you fucking lug. <laughs> yeah, you luggish. Yeah. Twat. I don't yeah, know. You fucking lad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so she's gay. I don't care. Okay. But I want to kind of siphon this through the the article on the guardian oh well okay <laughs> if, if it's something the guardian care about then you well, we should care about it too yeah so yeah the, the kind of the aggregate opinion that i was getting because obviously everyone's happy about this on the internet yeah uh well i say everyone's ha- as in published actual institutions are happy yeah most people probably don't give a shit but the the, the general aggregated thing was it settled decades of fan speculation. Right, okay. Why were you spending your time speculating about whether Velma was Is it was just gay? because Velma was never really depicted as being in a relationship? Well, it's because she... This is kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about. It's because she ticks a bunch of lesbian tropes. Them's being... Short hair. Okay. She doesn't dress in a feminine way. Yeah. Uh, like the pleated skirt. Yeah, never in a relationship. Mm. Awkward. Yeah. Mainly okay. the short hair and the glasses is what people... Right. Yeah. Well, then, then surely she should be, like, the person you'd be least happy 
to be made lesbian because well, oh we'll, you went with the obvious. We'll one. get we'll get to that. Okay. So in this new show, which it's not the HBO Max adult oriented Mindy Kaling show. Yeah. It's another one. I don't okay. know what it's called, but it's just one of the various yeah, yeah. children's shows. She has a girlfriend. Okay. Have you done any reading on this? No. Or you just sort of... Okay. No, no. I, 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 I got uh, steamed up enough about the HBO yeah, Max yeah. show. Okay. Her girlfriend... Well, tell me about that first. Tell me about the HBO Max show. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is... I don't know. I don't know if this is better or worse than whatever you're about to tell me. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there's also a HBO Max show coming out, which looks disgusting, frankly. Disgusting? Yeah. Okay. Just be, it's like it's everything wrong with television nowadays. I okay. Think. It's it's incredibly meta and self-aware. Sure. The trailer is literally Velma sending a text to HBO Max, mm. like being a an ironic standing for fans who have problems with people that mess with their franchises. Yes. So she's this like bitter, like frantically texting HBO going, it's anti- why have you changed this thing that I like? It's a preemptive... Yeah, exactly. It's anticipating the... Cr- yeah, the like, oh, isn't it so clever? Because the show is already, like, you know... Addressing the backlash. It's, it, it's the backlash yeah. it's, it knows it's going to get. Yes. Because but, <laughs> we know exactly what it, the backlash is going to be. But I think... But we're not going to uh, fix it. We're just going to address no, it No, but this bespeaks the ever-widening gulf between program makers and audiences. That's the bad thing. Because they think... They are enlightened. Yeah. And that anybody that criticizes it is a bigot or something along those lines. And so you're going to get this show. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the audience wants. Okay. They're on a a moral crusade. Right. It doesn't matter that, um, like, I I didn't know really anything about this HBO Max show. I read a a little bit about it and it's for adults. Yeah, yeah. My first impulse is, of course, why is there a Scooby-Doo for adults in the first place? There's just no place for that. Mm. I hate that kind of thing anyway. Well, you you were a bit like you brought that up during the Batman discussion. Scooby Doo feels like an even less appropriate candidate. Oh, hundred percent. Like Batman's at least dark. I'm pretty sure Scooby Doo isn't dark. No, it, it's got the horror-y thing going. No, that's the thing. They, in they, a very they, camp way. When they were doing test screenings for the original Scooby Doo, they had to lighten it up a bit. When you say the original Scooby Doo, like whatever the original Scooby Doo series was called, oh, like the, the, the animated series, yeah, yeah, like right. when they were showing that to kids initially, yeah. kids were scared of it, yes. so they had to lighten it up a bit. Yes, and I think that helped shape what Scooby Doo ended up like the character Scooby Doo yeah. that yeah. kind of shaped him. But I'm pretty sure he's not in Velma because they like acknowledged that we can't really have Scooby Doo in it because Scooby Doo is what makes Scooby Doo a kids show. So by omitting right. him, is it called Velma? It's called. Velma. It's about Velma, right? I assume so. Yeah, right. But yeah, so it's it's literally her being like, "What the fuck are you doing? How dare you have, you change this franchise? Things should stay the same. Mm. You should stick with the classics. I'm not open to change, whatever." But that's again, it's like it's sneering. Exactly. Yeah. And then she like finishes the text, sends it, and then she gets a phone call from someone, mm. and the rest of the trailer is literally just a scream parody. Oh, I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Because, like, the, yeah. the guy is like, I'm inside your house. And she goes, see, that's a classic trope. Why don't they say oh, something? Oh. Yeah, no, no, literally. And then she goes, wait, you're inside my house? And it cuts to the outside of her, like, fucking trailer or whatever she's in. Hmm. And you see blood streak across the window. Right. Over her screaming. Right. And then... So... my I died a little. <laughs> so that. what... No, what, yeah, it's like, what uh, is it about... What's so rich about... I, I'm assuming the other three are in it. Yes, well, this is... Okay, we're, we're going to get to that. Okay. About, yeah. It's animated, yeah? Yeah. What is so rich about those characters? They're like, oh, we can do a version of, of a show 
where there isn't even Scooby-Doo. But this, and it's for adults. Bah, but this is the thing. They're going to bring that richness. Because I think at the beginning of the phone call when the guy is like, Hi, Velma. Mm. I need you to solve a mystery. Mm. And I think she literally responded with something like, I'm actually more... There's actually more to me than solving mysteries. <sighs> this is my general opinion with stuff like this. I understand using a property, mm. a pre-existing property, to bring in audiences. If you're going to depart so extremely mm. from the source material. Why don't you just do a different show? This is like a lot of people in the comments were saying that. Yeah. There was a lot of just like general like mockery. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the trailer literally ha- it has something like 10,000 likes and 103,000 dislikes. How do you even know? Uh, there's a plugin that you can download that oh, restores the... Um, I'm getting that. Yeah, it restores okay. the dislike. Okay. I, it's actually not that hard to find. No, no. Yeah, like, sure. It's literally a Google Chrome plugin, so it's not even yeah, that difficult I'm, to find. I'm getting that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's like 103,000 dislikes. Yeah. Proper, like, panning. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people are saying that, and I completely agree with them. Like, is this even Scooby-Doo anymore? Well, no. It's not. If Scooby-Doo's not in it, and the, show is, li- yeah, the show is literally <laughs> saying... Yeah. Oh, there's more, like, all that stuff you know about Scooby-Doo, it's not going to be that anymore. Like, yeah. that's the show's mission statement. This ain't you, your dad Scooby-Doo. No. This, um, this is your... This ain't your racist uncle Scooby-Doo. No. This they, is your daughter with blue hair wholesome, Scooby-Doo. It's this wholesome show about kids solving mysteries. Yeah. It ain't that Woo! racist Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I, weirdly enough, I re-watched Carpet Remnant World, the Stuart Lee stand-up thing, where he talks about Scooby-Doo a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. All right. Do you remember that routine? <laughs> where the, the whole... The, the setup is... Uh, because he has kids now. Yeah. He's only watched two films in the past, like, five years. Okay. One is this, like, obscure film. And the other one is Scooby-Doo and the Zombie Pirate Jungle Island. <laughs> right. 273 times. <laughs> uh, and then the whole kind of... the the. I think that's, what that's like, genuinely one of the better Scooby-Doo films as well. I, d- I think he's kind of... He's merged two titles or something. Like, he, yeah. I, I don't think it's an actual but one. But, like, Zombie Island is genuinely considered, like, oh, no, he re- a classic. In in real life, as it were, he still is a big fan of Scooby-Doo. Okay. But, yeah, the whole thing is because he's own, he has no experiences, mm. he can only filter his comedy through the lens of Scooby-Doo and the zombie pirate <laughs> right. Jungle Island. And he does the whole thing. <laughs> I'm just repeating his routine, but it is great. Where it's like, whenever he says Scooby-Doo, says he's a dog. Dog? Says, yeah, you ever seen that? Scooby-Doo, because he thinks he's human. He's indignant about the idea of, <laughs> of being a dog. He says, yeah, a dog? You have to watch it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a layer of complexity that you don't get from casual viewing. Yeah. yeah um, okay. But yeah, it's not Scooby-Doo. If you take Scooby-Doo out of it, it's, it's not Scooby-Doo. Not Scooby-Doo. So why wouldn't you just do an adult show about these mystery sol- whatever you is going to be from Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Absent the iconography. Mm. Just do that then. Like th- this is my problem with it. Th- this is kind of why it's demonstrably a mission statement. It's like, no, we're going to take something you already know yeah. and recontextualize it. Yeah. In a progressive fashion. Yeah. That's what I hate about it. It yeah. is like they don't care what the audience thinks. Mm. They really don't. Yeah. Espe- like especially with streaming and stuff like that, because like viewing figures don't matter as much as they do mm. on. But there is a reason why like ABC, NBC, CBS, their shows are bland and cookie cutter. Mm. It's because they want to get the most people watching. Yeah, you know, it's like Jay Leno, his thing as host of uh, the Tonight Show. He said it's not to be... Because um, David Letterman like won the Emmys and he was the cool one. Mm. Like the one that culturally... Uh, you know, like if you were plugged in 
and and smart. Letterman was the one you liked, right? And and Lang was the populist. But his statement openly was always, "I want to make the biggest. I want to attract the largest demographic possible and be funny to the largest amount of people possible." Okay. So like necessarily broad, all the rest of it. Right. That's why those shows are like that. But then you get to HBO Max. Yeah. And they're not under the same pressures. They're not. And so they will, in their advertising, openly spit and show scorn for their potential audience. Because the people that are going to watch it anyway Mm. are going to like that trailer. Yeah, that's right. You tell the naysayers. I don't know, though. I feel like that's the idea. Yeah. Is that, oh, the people that are going to watch this anyway, Mm -hmm. this trailer will appeal to them. And it'll scare away all the racists and the people that we don't want to watch it anyway. Well, that's the thing. It's not, it's not trying to convert anybody. But that's the thing. The people who are going to watch this are Scooby-Doo fans. Yeah. The people that go on Twitter and say, oh, how wonderful, Velma is now one of the gays. I'm so happy I could cry. Or whatever. Yeah, that Venn diagram isn't the circle. Do they watch? Yeah. Do they even watch the show? Well, I, no. My sister, her friendship group, so there's a couple of uh, gay women in her friendship group, mm. and she has said that, like, they started watching Doctor Who around the time that Jodie Whittaker came into it. Right. So I know that there are people that will watch something because it does something like that. Right. Where it's like, you will get black people who will start watching a show because the main character is now black. It honestly... You will get women starting to watch something because there's now a more... Yeah. Women are now more represented in that franchise, like Star Wars or Doctor Who. All usual, but, ca- all usual caveats. We live in Wales. Yeah. I'm a white, straight man. Yeah. Fine. But that as, depresses me. The fact that you would watch something for that Yeah, reason. that's not like... Yeah. I would want them to find the show in the better circumstances. Yeah, I would yeah. want them to have a better reason to watch a show yeah, yeah, yeah. than, oh, someone who shares the same chromosomes as me is now in it. Yeah. Um, what, they're twin? <laughs> no, like, you know what I mean. Yeah. DNA. No, I feel like that would work if I said DNA. I think chromosomes is like, I can get away with that. Uh, I don't know. But I get your point. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got XY and XX. So there is like... D- okay, okay. Predefined uh, sets. Uh, okay, you know? fine. Fine. Let me have this. You can have it. You can I, have I, it. I, well, you can I will have take it. it from you. Yes, fine. Um, yeah, I'd want them to find it under better circumstances. But is that a reliable enough way to to like generate an audience substantial enough to sustain a show like that? They're not trying to... Um, I can't imagine Velma is going to last beyond two seasons. Maybe even one season. I, yeah, I don't know. It's going to turn up. It's going to get, like, a decent response from critics mm-hmm. because they don't want to be seen as bigots. Well, that's Audiences are going to bomb it. Yeah. No one's going to watch it and the show's going to disappear. Yeah. It's already, like, doomed to fail. Not, you, know, you know, it'll find a bit of success, maybe, but this isn't going to be the next big Scooby-Doo property. This is going to be a footnote in scooby When it comes to HBO stuff nowadays and general cable yeah. stuff, if something's well-reviewed... This is a generality. Yeah. But if something's well-reviewed, it will get renewed. Mm. If something's badly reviewed, it will get cancelled. And I think John Langraff said, the head of FX, that his policy is, we want to tick three boxes. We want people to watch it. Yes. We want critics to like it. Mm. And we want to like it. Like, the people making it. Yeah. Uh, There's something there. But you don't need all three ticked. You need two ticked. Yeah. So we need to like it. And if the critics are liking it, fine. Mm -hmm. If it's like making money, it doesn't really matter. Anything, you know, like whatever. But I think that's a a good way of looking at it. But when it comes to stuff like HBO Max, it's not about drawing in the largest crowd possible. Mm. It's about getting written about in the New York Times. 
Right. It's about being a cultural commodity okay. that gets op-eds, that wins awards. Hmm. Who gives a fuck if people watch? Most people are, are bigots and racists and homophobes anyway. Hmm. That's how they think. Yeah. That's 100% how they think. Uh, and, you know, there's the book by Ben Shapiro, Primetime Propaganda, hmm. where he interviewed hundreds of TV writers and showrunners. He kind of got in by pretending he was a liberal. Hmm. He said, I never lied to them. I just wore a hat of like um, Harvard, I, he bought like a, a university that made people think that he would be. Right. And okay. I went in and I have Jewish name. Yeah. They just thought I was an intellectual left wing. Mm. So he said that, so they were open with me and they say, yeah, we consciously socially engineer. Like the lesbian wedding and friends. It's like, yeah, we were trying to change society. Mm. And it does. That it, the cult, Politics is downstream from culture, as Andrew Breitbart said. Yeah. Yeah, and the rest follows. So they, they yeah, they do not care about us watching Velma. Mm. They they don't, they don't give a shit. Uh, Even though we're probably going to be the people watching Velma. If it's well-reviewed, I'll watch it. It will be well-reviewed. Yeah. Um, but not even that. Just but, like Scooby-Doo. Eddie. Eddie will watch Velma. I mean, Vel- yeah. Like, Scooby-Doo isn't the type of thing I would watch regardless of the reception. It's not... I don't have any love for Scooby-Doo. No, personally. but Eddie, like... Eddie loves Scooby-Doo. Our third, like, occasional yeah. co-host. He'll case, hate Velma. In case people don't know. Yeah, yeah he'll despise <laughs> Velma. Yeah, yeah. But he'll watch it. Because yeah. it's Scooby-Doo, and he is a Scooby-Doo fan. Yes. He is the type of person that they have he's already secured as an yeah. audience member, and they are insulting him. Alienating him, yeah. They are alienating him. Yeah. So they're not, like, appeasing all of these, like, enlightened, blue-haired, mm. whatever, that will go on Twitter and say, oh, how wonderful that this thing is finally exists. Mm-hmm. They, they they're not the people that are guaranteed to watch it. It's Scooby-Doo fans that they yeah, are yeah. O- openly yeah. ridiculing. Well, they don't want Eddie. Is the thing. No, but they've got Eddie. <laughs> whether they like him I or know. not. And I think that's like, I think in general, not just like in yeah. terms of shows that go more political or franchises that seem to lean into representation a lot more. Yeah. I think in general, that's something a lot of people that are adapting stuff take for granted. Yeah. Is that you've already got an audience. Yes. It's like with Sonic. It's like when they said that like, the reason that we changed the Sonic design is not because the fans hated it. Mm. It's because the general public hated it. Right. No, no catering to the audience that they've already got. Yeah, it's like well, they we don't even need to think about them. I mean, it's a balance, like in terms of. I acknowledge that, like, why would you waste the energy trying to woo over an audience that you've already got? I kind of get that. Yeah, I, I, but I also think that's no reason to completely disregard. No, them. no, one hundred percent. Like as a financial metric, which is all they care about, really. Yeah, if it's a choice. Not that this should be, but if it, if it came down to there's a choice between we either please the fans mm. or we please all the potential audience yeah. members that aren't, they're going to go with the second one every time. Yeah, yeah. And like, fuck the fans. It's about the money. Yeah. They, yeah. Hopefully there's a way of doing both. You don't mm. betray the community yeah, yeah. that made it possible. Yeah. Imagine if Better Call Saul had completely like through its storytelling or whatever, just implied Breaking Bad was a piece of shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, so much better. It's, no, you you can't do that. <laughs> it's the same one I, I hate when, um, uh, you know, bands refuse to play the hits. Mm. Like Radio, love Radiohead, respect the music, but like the fact they never do Creep mm. is like, it's not my favorite song by any means, mm. like nowhere near, but play Creep. <laughs> it was your first hit it's what yeah, yeah. made you known yeah. but no like the you know network executives and and producers they're like uh, what's the bloke that owns Tim Weatherspoon right you know that guy yeah yeah uh, like when COVID in, in the you know the heat of COVID mm. when he wanted to reopen all the spoons yeah 
and employees were like, but it's COVID. And he was like, go work at McDonald's then. Mm. That's how they think about the fans. Yeah. But it's not Scooby-Doo. Go fucking watch, I don't know, uh, what do you call <laughs> go it? Go continue watching your KKK go watch, rallies. Go watch Duck Dynasty. Or <laughs> yeah. And fucking Birth of a Nation. Go yeah. on. Go on. That's clearly the, what you the, should the, be The watching. original Birth of a Nation, yes. not the new Birth of a Nation. No, no, no. Right, okay. So that's the new HBO Max yeah. show. But also, yeah, the the four of the five, Scooby-Doo uh, yes. not being the one of the four. Yes. They're also in Velma, the show. Yes. And some changes have been made. So Mindy Kaling, whose show it is, right? She's writer, producer, all yeah. that. She's is voicing she any Velma. Good? <sighs> well, Never Have I Ever, which is her show on Netflix, is quite good. Okay. I haven't seen the Mindy Project, hmm. but I, apparently it's good. Obviously, she was one of the writers on The Office. Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, all right as a comedy writer-performer. Okay. Obviously, now, maybe... Cause the thing I've always quite liked about her is that she's not... It's not all about the woke Olympic shit. Okay. But it seems like that's going this to change seems now. to be, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, some changes have been made. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she is voicing Velma. Which, let's not even go into the, the it, double standard of that. It's difficult to tell... Because the trailer, it's set at night and it's in like a dark location. Mm. So it's difficult to kind of gauge the extent to her... Right. Ethnicness. Um, yeah, like how dark her skin tone has become. I don't know if her ethnicity now matches Mindy Kaling. Or whether uh, she's yeah, still I, supposed to be... I just assumed she was Whatever still, she is at yeah, the moment. Yeah. But yeah, Mindy Kaling is voicing Velma. Oh, that said. Oh, go on. Because uh, you've told me two of them. Yeah. So tell me the other one you told me. Well, Constance Wu is now playing Daphne. Right. No, so that to me would imply... They are. They have been racially changed. Okay. Because why would you go out your way? Yeah, we'll have an Indian, a person of Indian origin, yeah. voicing Velma and Constance Wu, who's voicing Daphne. What is she Chinese? I can't remember exactly. I think she's Chinese. It's that portion of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's Asian. Yeah. Um, voicing. Yeah. Otherwise, like it feels like a bizarre. It's like prodding almost, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So Constance Wu is playing Daphne. Yeah. Glenn Howerton. Oh yeah. Is playing Fred. Yeah, one of the It's Always Sunny guys. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, and Sam Richardson is playing... Ah. Norville. Not Shaggy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Norville. Norville. Have you seen the picture? No. This is not going to mean anything to our listeners. I see. Okay. Well, you, I, what, I what I've see. shown Sam... I did not know that. Let audiences. Me get, I, I need to look at the other two as well. Um, I've now shown him the character portraits. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Well, he's a black man. He rather is, isn't so he? So Sam Richardson's a, yeah, a black actor, yeah. comedian. So Norville looks like, not because he's black, a douchebag. <laughs> it's, he's got that, like... It's the goatee yeah, kind of expression. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, yeah. He kind of like, he's got dreadlocks, sort of. Not like dreadlocks. mohawk what, dreadlocks. What, what, there's a name for them, right? What, yeah, that is a style. What's it's it just... called? Um, oh, what are they fucking called? Crow... No. Bars. What are they called? Crow <laughs> bars? Crow... Oh, oh my god. Well, uh, yeah, what are they called? It's not exactly this, but the lines. Yeah. Something lines. It's crow something. Is it crow something? We so don't know our, like, our <laughs> fashion, <laughs> do we? No. Oh, that's going to really buy me. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Constance, uh, Daphne... It appears as though her eyes have been drawn a bit Asian-y. Yes. It's still Daphne, but her eyes but her are eyes more are, of a slit. And, and it's a tan, a little bit of a tan. But she's still a redhead. Yeah. But there's a bit of a tint. Yeah. And Fred, the white guy, looks dopey as fuck. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He looks yeah. like Shaggy. 
He does. It looks like what he, you, yeah, how, yeah. Do you, how you would normally depict Shaggy. Yeah, Norval looks. How do you describe that? It's weird. Like he doesn't look like he doesn't look like a black Shaggy. No, no, he just there, looks there, like there, some yeah, black. And guy. this is not me. Oh, oh, he's black. I mean, it's clear what they're doing, and it's annoying, and the rest of it. Yeah. But it's not like oh, he's the black version of Shaggy. No, he no, looks no. just like yeah, he's a cool guy. And there's nothing about his posture in that character poster that implies Shaggy in any capacity. No, no, Shaggy is like the the. The adult understanding, he's like a stoner, basically, yeah, isn't he? he's he's like, but he doesn't look like a stoner. He doesn't look like he's hungry. He doesn't look scared. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't look like anything you would normally associate He looks associate like with he's in the 90s. He looks like a member of East 17. That's what he looks like. Right. You know that sort of, stay another day, the Christmas song? Oh, okay. Where they're all like, it's yeah. like urban Christmas outfits. He looks like he's from like Brickleberry or something. What's that? Just like some... What's Brickleberry? Brickleberry is like, it's like a, an adult animated cartoon show that was on Comedy Central or something. Right. I think oh, yeah, it's one of was... like the thousands of adult comedies that have come about in the wake of like Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. Velma's 100% Indian. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They've cast her in Shadow to kind of not make that the thing of the thing. Yeah. But no, she is. Okay. I see. Norville. Well, Norville does sound like a black name. I, you know, it does. Okay. It, it's uh, like... I'll give them that, I No, guess. It, it does. Like, but... So, it's not like a massive... But it's clearly what they're doing. You're literally one Indian, one Chinese, one white, and one black. It's so strange, though. Like, compared to... Fred, who yeah, yeah looks dopey as fuck, but there's you got to admit there's more personality to Fred than there is to either of the other characters. Yeah, yeah, but you it know, looks like they haven't finished drawing the other two. There's so much more detail to Fred. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I encourage anyone just look up like Velma like character posters or Velma cast. But you know, and you should find this. But you know what they're gonna do though. Fred is gonna be the dumbest character. Yeah, he's gonna be the dumb white guy. Yeah. That either kind of accidentally makes microaggressions and will learn a lesson, mm. or he'll like the fact that he's the blonde, good looking one, they're gonna undermine that, yeah. undercut it constantly. Which, like, in Velma's, the, like the show Velma, in Velma's defense, I think that's the direction Fred's character's been going in for a while. Yeah. I know that they've, like, there's now this sort of ongoing joke that he and the Mystery Machine are basically a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like Fred is in love with the Mystery Machine. Yes. So, yeah, he's become a lot more, like, strange and obsessive over, like, various iterations. Well, yeah, yeah. But this seems to be the most extreme, from what I've seen, this is the most extreme... Yeah. dilution. Dilution. Yes. Of Fred... I don't know his last name. <laughs> no, right. Maybe I'll Google that, well, it is and a- I'll find a show where he's black as well. It is... I was talking to someone about this the other day, that one of the dirtiest words now in art is deconstruction. Mm-hmm. That used to be a good thing. You unpacked something, you looked at it. Yeah. Now it's it's watering, either watering down something that was potent, mm. or it's, oh yeah, that was wrong. We're now going to do like comment on it, yeah, or and go in the opposite direction. Yeah, it, it looks hideous. Yeah, the whole thing looks hideous. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, I don't think anything I have to say is worse than that. Okay. Well, that was my suspicion, but do you want to fill me in on what you were going to talk well, about? Well, firstly, so Velma has a girlfriend in this new show. Okay. Uh, called Coco Diablo. Right, <laughs> okay. Which, <laughs> Coco Diablo, that's basically chocolate devil, right? Yeah. I think that lends some credence to the LeBron James controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Velma is a racist. <laughs> um... Okay, so there's an article in The Guardian from Julie Bindle, 
who's an older feminist who I don't hate is like she's okay. been okay on some things and the headline was Scooby-Doo's Velma has finally come out as a lesbian my dream has come true Uh-oh. so get a life yeah <laughs> um, I quite like I said I quite like her but your dream has come true mm. so this, this is a quoting from the article and I definitely identified with Velma like her I was always the odd one out of course, I didn't wonder at that young age whether she was a lesbian, but I certainly knew that she was what we used to call a tomboy, quote-unquote, just like me. Although I was never keen on her pleated skirt, I loved the fact that she wore baggy jumpers and defied femininity. She also shared my view of the world, getting exasperated with the boys, being cleverer than them, so that's self-congratulatory right there, mm. and showing how girls do not have to adhere to stereotypes of femininity and passiveness. Listen. <laughs> I don't think sexuality should be a factor in children's programming, full stop. Mm. I no. can't imagine anything about Spongebob has changed or improved since Spongebob came out as gay. No, and nor do I think children's programming should be a venue for social whatever. Yeah. I don't care that Velma is gay. It, sure? is, it is meaningless to me that Velma is gay. Okay. Right? But this is the point, and it kind of alludes to what you said earlier and what we've said about Doctor Who. Mm. If you already identified with her... Mm. Why was it a requirement that she be a lesbian? Absolutely. That's the stuff to me where it's, I, oh, she likes to shag women. I like her even more now. I, I like to do that. I like to shag. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, and, and again, all usual caveats, this comes from, I'm not a minority in any sense mm. along the typical axes. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, there's only one axis you belong to, isn't there? Uh, evil? Is that what mm. you're going with that? The axis of evil? Yeah. Okay. Because you're a Nazi. Um, okay. Um, You're a white supremacist Nazi, Sam. Well, sure. Well, like I said, I'm on most of the axes. Like, I'm a minority in some axes in, in that I'm in, in the whatever percentile with IQ. And yes, I'm a white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I've never understood that. Oh, he looks like me. Yeah, I'll now look up to him. What, what is that? Hmm. What is that? In 2020, Tony Savone, a supervising producer on the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated animated series, mm. confirmed that Velma had long been intended to be lesbian rather than bisexual, as some people read her. Uh, then he said, We always planned on Velma acting a little off and out of character when she was dating Shaggy, because that relationship was wrong for her, and she had, uh, she had unspoken difficulty with the why. It's a children's show. <laughs> What's with the fucking psychosexual drama? <laughs> What's the? What do you mean? I don't care what Velma's like. Oh, she's struggling in her relationship. Catch the mummy. <laughs> Go catch the Frankenstein. I don't care. This. Yeah. The, do, do you know what I mean? This is. And like I said, this is the children's show. This isn't mm. the HBO Max thing. I wonder if they've done <sighs> the episode yet. You know, um, the Rosa episode for Doctor Who, where the villain was literally just a time traveling white guy who was racist. Yeah. There was no clever sci-fi abstraction of no. racism no. No, in the no, same no. way that the Daleks are like an abstraction of Nazi purity yes and the Cybermen are an abstraction there was nothing allegorical like, nothing allegorical it was, it was literally just a white racist yes. because that's how on the nose yeah. writing has become yeah. because you need to be congratulated and so you need to know what people are congratulating you yes. or should they should be congratulating you for yes I wonder if Scooby-Doo's done that at this point where it's just like oh it's 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 uh, Mr. Blah 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 from the KKK he was the, the bad guy all along. Oh, probably. I mean, the fact that they're... Well, he's, the, he's not even in a costume. 
Like it's this, maybe they maybe they've done an episode where like he's just like the guy throughout the episode, mm. and then at the end when you see him for like the as the monster that mm. he is, then he puts on the KKK he puts outfit. On the, yeah, uh, yeah, it's the opposite of what they usually do. Yeah, it's exactly. the masking. Look, I'm probably not going to watch the show, right? But no, I'll give it the benefit. I really don't want. To. I'll give it the benefit <laughs> of the doubt insofar as she hasn't leaned too much into the woke shit mm. before. No. So maybe the fact that they are now of varying ethnicities, mm. it's incidental. Mm. It's not going to matter to the story at all. No. But I feel like it is. I, f- I feel like the it is. The benefit of the doubt, but even if it's... This is one of those things, right, where I think the latest example I've heard is usually using the transgender argument. But... If you're in a shop and someone walks in with a massive tattoo on their face mm. and you're looking at them and then they go, well, the f- why the fuck are you looking at me? He's like, because you've got a massive tattoo on your face. Mm. This is that. It's like going, well, even if they don't lean into the woke shit, it's like it's a th- they've done a thing by making all the characters different. Yeah. And, and if you raise that, they go, well, why does it matter? But you, if it doesn't matter, you did it. You yeah. Did, it, no, exactly. If it does or doesn't if matter. If it doesn't matter, why have you done it? Yeah, exactly. So it's going to matter, isn't it? That yeah. It's going to be a thing. Mm. A novel is going to be so fucking irritating. Oh, it's going to be the worst. Uh, there's uh, just a couple of more things I wanted to say about the Scooby-Doo thing. Yeah, go on. The thing, the dominant thing, other than, oh, it's settled decades of speculation. Finally. That was the word that kept coming up. Finally, Velma's gay. Finally, right. finally, finally. As if that's what was missing. Well, let's think. The only people that could have been anticipating this are adults. Kids weren't waiting for Velma to no. be gay. So this is what I'm saying. Get a life. If you are focusing on children's television mm. and whether a character is going to come out or not, you are wasting your life. Right. You are wasting your life. Yeah, at the bottom of the article, this is a uh, side thing. There was another article and it was, why did Liz Truss wear the same outfit as a fictional fascist. Now, there's okay. a t- TV show by Russell T. Davis called Years and Years, mm. which was Emma Thompson playing a fascist dictator, basically. Yeah. And she wore a similar outfit. And so that was the headline. And then, so I read it. Mm-hmm. And then like, they described the show. And then about three paragraphs down, they say, surely it's a coincidence, but it's weird, isn't it? It was essentially. Right. It's like, but, you know, hey, still write that article where the headline can be, why did Liz Truss wear the same outfit as a fascist? Mm. In the article, they say it's obviously a coincidence. <laughs> right. But, yep, so we're going to write that article. Sounds like you got clickbaited. What's The Guardian? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, Guardian, kinda... <laughs> the Guardian can clickbait. That's what, that's what I, I don't, mean. I don't think they're above it. That's what I mean. Yeah. No, yeah, they are. that's what they are. Yeah. Why... I don't know. Uh, something in the room. Why? Why lamps are racist? Mm. That's every everything they write now. Yeah. Um, oh it's like when YouTubers are doing like a um, like a video, and then they'll go, "I don't know why I'm bringing this up. I guess I'm just like padding the runtime to get to ten minutes." Yeah. Because yeah. I think ten minute your video has to be at least ten minutes long for you to enable advertisements. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's like got to get to that ten minute mark. It's right. like. Well, fuck off. Yeah. Don't, don't just I'm, say I'm it. I'm just waiting for the next headline. New Scooby-Doo trailer alludes to mystery machine buzzing beneath Velma's blanket. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the next one. Uh, okay, we're done with that, right? That's that. Yeah. Okay, I have something I want to say. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what could you possibly... <laughs> <laughs> so this new show, I think it's on Peacock, called A Friend of the Family. Okay. It's based on a true story. I don't know if we've talked about it before, of this girl 
that was kidnapped essentially. Well, she was she was kidnapped. She just it, she didn't know it really. Yeah. So there's this family. Uh, they're friends with the neighbors. The father of of the neighbor family, the patriarch. He's a very charismatic figure, and he takes a like he takes a liking to this young girl okay. in the family. And he basically ends up driving off with her, convincing her that they've been abducted by aliens and they need to mate. To right, yeah, it, like it's a true thing. It's fucked up and all. Yeah, it's one of the new. It's true crime, mm. like the staircase and all those things. So I had it down as a potential topic to review, mm-hmm. but it kind of made me want to talk about something a bit wider. Okay. So bear with me. All right. If you keep abreast of the television landscape, as in scripted television. Mm there's a certain malaise that's setting in, right? Okay. It's not spoken about, and it may not even be consciously experienced, but there's a certain stagnation. More shows these days are well-reviewed than not. Shows that are negatively received are maybe one in eight to one in ten, I would say. It's similar to your point about cinematography. The standards for excellence have shifted. Okay. Okay. We need less TV, said that time and time <laughs> God, again. They, they were saying that years ago. Yeah, they? I know. And it's only, it's gotten worse. Yeah. And if we're not going to do that, we need to recalibrate our critical senses. This doesn't mean being sniffy or not giving things their due, but the performances are solid. The writing's decent. It's nicely shot. Can't be enough anymore. No. To uh, merit more than a lukewarm review. The Emmy categories are aptly named outstanding drama series outstanding comedy series but there's very little now that is outstanding Mm. there's that poll in the west wing where they're trying to get a sense of i think it's what the public think about the ms the president's ms okay and they're demoralized when they find out like however much a percentage think that it's an issue Mm. but then they later qualify but how much do you care Mm. and then when the results come back on that they're elated because they people don't care that much yeah and it's the same reason that Prey and films like that rank among the best reviewed of the, of the year. Mm. I can't give it a negative review. Mm. So we don't take into account how positive the reviews are. Yeah. It's a binary. I know taking all those kind of nuances into account is tricky to aggregate. But by modern standards, mediocre shows are well above 90%. Right. On Rotten Tomatoes and things like that. Something has to change so that the truly great shows stand out. Mm. It's obviously all opinion, but I would say there are fewer than 10 shows now that are that the critics truly adore. They get the YouTube analysis videos, you know, mm. like The Bear, stuff like that. Yeah. They get listed as amongst the best ever, even fewer, obviously. But you wouldn't know it. We're in the movie, movie from 1999 stage of criticism, which is everything's just going well. And something's missing. It's okay. that feeling. Okay. It's not like the best shows now rival the best ever. There are some that are not far behind, but we don't have a Sopranos no. anymore. There's just more TV. The Golden Age. Sorry. Or, I was going to say, do we not have a Sopranos anymore, or do we have twenty Sopranos, and that's diluting no the importance of each of them? No, we don't have any, we don't have a Sopranos anymore. Okay. The Golden Age of Television had significantly fewer shows yeah, and significantly more quality. Mm. This is the Copper Age, as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with most Marvel movies as well. Like, a friend of the family is very competent. Yeah. And this is going to lead me into a Sam's Lexicorner. Okay. 
because we need an adjustment for inflation. Or... Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicon. Critflation. 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 Okay. So that is when reviews haven't been adjusted for the general mean upward trend in quality. So I need to qualify this. Critflation and critical inflation. Critical inflation. Got it. Okay. While that trend is accurate, it doesn't mean that the best now is better than previous years. Mm. It's just that the average has increased. Yeah. And there's no good reason why that should stop masterpieces being masterpieces. Mm. Like, why should the fact that things are overall better, if not as good as they used to be, stop great shows being made? But it does seem like that's happened. <laughs> that there's yeah. been a dilution of the magic. Maybe this, maybe this bears more of a similarity to video games. Mm. Video game criticism. Because I, I think, the, like, I'm not as abreast with mainstream scoring and trends as I used to be. But, like, at the time where, like, Call of Duty was the big banner franchise, they were consistently pulling in, like, eights and nines. And yes. Like, sevens, eights, and nines. Yes. And those were, like, average. Yeah. Like, seven... If, if a game is has less than a seven, mm-hmm. it's a bad game, even though you've still got six and five. You know? Yes. Yeah. I think, generally speaking, it's considered that that's the case. Yeah. But, yeah, I kind of... I think there's def- that problem definitely exists in gaming as well, where, like, just, like, a generic AAA title will come out and it'll get, like, an eight or a nine. Mm-hmm. And you still don't know if it's even any good or not. Well, okay, so with the TV stuff in particular, and film, there's been an inflation of competence and a deflation of excellence. Mm. That's what it feels like. Yeah. But that's different. What you're talking about is worse. Because the thing with Rotten Tomatoes, for example, and how it aggregates, you know, reviews, is, is this review broadly positive? Mm. Okay, that goes to a percentage point. So you could have a review that's like, this is a 6 out of 10. Mm. And that's going into the 95% rating with that. Because they don't take into account how well reviewed it is. The fact that people give it like 8 out of 10, Mm. that is bad. Because that is really saying that it's... Do you you know what I mean? Like with Prey, like I said, we probably would have been counted towards the 90 whatever percent it is. Maybe. But we wouldn't give it a 9 out of 10, would we? No. We give it a 5 or 6 out of 10. yeah. That game, that's worse. Yeah, like in that instance, it might be the critics that need sorting out rather than the products. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is to the critics. But like not in the same way that like, because I think what you're talking about is just like critic averages, like aggregate sites need sorting out. Yes. Whereas Well, partly. Yeah. Yeah. That would certainly help. Yes, yeah, yeah. Whereas with video games, yeah, it's the fact that these big outlets are giving overinflated scores and that is kind of like diluting the... Like, yeah, so like the meaning yes. of that. Yeah, like it, I said, like it's, it's like racist. Yeah, exactly. It's like using the word. Racist. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. a seven or an eight. You look at that and you go, yeah, but I don't know if it's any good though. Yeah, that's even a though problem. it's like a seven or an that's eight. That's a problem. Yeah, well, no, this is mainly about things like um, ag- aggregation websites need to change the formula so that yeah, they take so like, how that well would be my. That's my question to you. So yeah. Like you were saying, like the average is higher. Yes. For you. Like the average the quality, mean quality is higher. of a television show is yeah. higher than it was in the golden age of television. And yes. we need to accommodate for that. Yeah. So does that mean that you think the as an example, I'm not saying like, oh, you've clearly have the solution here, Sam. Mm-hmm. So for example, should the threshold for rotten scores be raised? Say that everything below a fifty percent no. currently is rotten, should that be raised to sixty? No, because if if you would if you take into account what I'm proposing that factors into the percentage anyway. Okay. So yeah, it's mainly about things like Rotten Tomatoes. It's also to critics. 
that need to kind of take into account the fact that the mean has increased mm. and that a friend of the family, which will probably win awards and all the rest of it, is fine. Mm. They, it doesn't deserve a glowing review. Also, it's I, just I, not that good. I feel obligated as well. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if I'm like... No, no, go ahead. Um, I feel obligated as well to at least ask you the question, how much of this is because of the amount of television you watch? Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Because on the but, one hand, while you might be amongst the most qualified to talk yes. about this... Because you watch everything. Yes. No, but it is also... Yeah, I, I, I concede this is... Yeah. It's a narrow thing. But it, it also does apply to anybody that, that, that does use Rotten Tomatoes as a barometer for if they're going to watch something. Mm. Which I think is quite... A, you know, that's like a thing you hear in films all the time is what, what's the Rotten Tomatoes score or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, yeah I'm, not I mean, about, I'm not talking about like mainstream audiences. No, I th- well, I think they but, use audience scores. I don't think they pay attention to critic scores. Who mainstream? I don't think mainstream audiences pay attention to it at all. Well, the people who do pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes, right. I think more of them tend to... Oh, definitely. I wouldn't say that. No, I would. I, I've, I've seen Why? That. If you're paying attention to Rotten Tomatoes, I've it's seen because it in... you care about what... Well, yeah, how how well received the film has been. Yeah, but I've seen it too many times where people yeah. go, "Look at this! Look at look at Star Wars! It's got like eighty seven percent critic mm-hmm. and thirty two percent audience. Like this is proof that it's no good, and the critics are out of touch." Yeah, there's there are examples of that, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Like I can say that to me, the audience means nothing. I don't care what. No, absolutely. What, yeah, yeah. yeah like, no, I, I, it definitely needs to be taken with a with a pinch of salt. But so, so does crit. It's not like oh, I really take what critics. Yeah. The the only reason that um it matters at all to me is because I tr- I try and keep my finger on the pulse of you know the films that are coming out and everything. Yeah. And I want to watch out anything that's good. Obviously, I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, yeah. And the only way, unfortunately, to do that is because because I can't watch everything. Mm. I have to use something to calibrate what I'm going to watch. Mm. It doesn't mean that I agree. Like I said before, all the films I end up watching are like maybe one in 20 or something, mm-hmm. if if not fewer than that. But I've got to use something. And, you know, am I going to sooner listen to people who have watched thousands of films that do it professionally mm. or just people? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not like spitting on audience, right? They are sometimes right. Mm. Like, and the critics are wrong. But yeah, like that that never means like because we do a film quiz where they tell you the IMDb score and you're like, oh, I don't know, it's pretty low. It can't be like, yeah, but they're people. Yeah, you know, they they get parasite on Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, it's only got a six point seven on IMDb, and yeah. it's like whiplash. Exactly, like yeah. it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So that's it's mainly for Rotten Tomatoes, etc. Mm. But it's also for critics that need to stop, stop the ones that do give glowing reviews to shows that are now just fine. Yeah. And yes, it is a unique problem for someone that watches a lot of television. Hmm. But also, yeah, if you are going wrong to Mars to, you know, oh, is this any good? And it's 100%. A, it's not a reflection of how actually good the show is. Yeah. And also, five people have reviewed it. Mm. So who cares? Oh, there are five people. Give me a room. Yeah. If you all like the show, oh, there you go, 100% then. Mm. It's not. But I have another Lexicorner entry. Okay. Double barrel. Yes. Double well, fisting. I promised it on the last episode. Okay. We were talking about universes. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. And the multiverse is uh, you know, the two theories are universal multiverse. Hmm. And multiverses can't be a thing because it's either a multiverse or it's a universe. You hmm. can't, you know. And, and universe, uni, implies one. Hmm. So even if there are in infinite universes, as we currently understand it, all of that t- together would be a universe. Yeah. So we need to change the terms. The thing that we call the multiverse, which is the collective. Is actually the universe. That is the actual yeah. universe, yeah. 
So this is what I've changed it to. Okay. I, what are you changing just so we're clear? Well, um, yeah. So universe and multiverse, right? They can still apply to the theories. Okay. I will also accept monoverse and polyverse. Okay. But I've landed on microverse and macroverse. Okay. Microverse for whatever universe you happen to live in. Hmm. And the whole thing together is the macroverse. Okay. Do you worry that there would be some confusion with, when you talk about the microverse, mm-hmm. you're talking about the microscope, like the portion of the universe that to us is microscopic, that we can't see. No. Like the universe of like bacteria and atoms. No, and no, no. I mean, micro is the place to... Like quantum foam, like all the really small shit. Yeah, no, no. I mean, micro is a prefix that applies to so many different things. Mm. I don't even think microscopic isn't even what... Microwave is the first thing that came to mind. Right. Um, no, no, micro is just small, isn't it? Microchip. You know, it's, yeah. it's anything that's small. Okay. Um, but mi- it, microscopia. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, in, that, in, that, in this context, it's being used for small. Micro is small, macro is large. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be better... Look at me, this is my first Sam's lexicon where I'm like calling you out. Well, you're um, wrong, obviously. Okay, well, well, we'll but yeah, see. carry on. We'll yeah. see. Wouldn't it be better to come up with something where like the universe, mm. like the preface to verse yes. is like a piece mm. and the preface to the multiverse one mm. is the whole that those pieces are constructed from. Can you give me an example? I'm trying to think of one, but like you sort of get what I mean. We're like, because well, yeah, 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 the universe yeah. is one of the verses in the multiverse. Yeah, no, I, I know what you It makes you're sense that that's the piece and the multiverse is the whole. Yeah, you're, say, those... you're saying chunk verse or Tari's chocolate orange verse. Yeah, yeah I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, segment um, or orange. Yeah. Something like that. But it's hard to know what prefix you could affix to verse mm. that wouldn't be like, I don't know, Z verse and Scrabble verse. Like, it would, <laughs> it would be something completely yeah. un- counterintuitive. Ace verse and deck verse. Yeah. Hmm. Obviously, there's an implied value in that as well. So that's yeah. Exactly. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm happy with microverse. All right. Microverse. Okay. Fine. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> so there you go. That's Sam's Lexicon. corner. Cool. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's Lexicon. I'll tell you what I watched recently. What do you watch? You seen Mad Gods? I have. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't bring it up to you then. No. Yeah, it seems like the type of thing you would have brought up to me. I don't know why. I mean, it It was just one among the many films I had to watch that week. Yeah. I don't know, because I feel like the the framework in which you describe Mad Gods mm. is, like, striking enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's animated. It's different enough. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell the audience. Yeah. So, yeah, Mad God is, like, it's a stop-motion film from Phil Tippett. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, like one of the um, guys who worked on the visual effects for Jurassic Park. Is he British? I'm not sure. I think if he's British, it would be Phil Tippett. Okay. And if he's American, there would be Phil Tippett. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, Genuinely yeah. no idea. But yeah, he worked on the visual effects for Jurassic Park and other big films as well. And this is basically like being his passion project, his baby for like, what, 20, 20 years? 20 years, yeah. Yeah, 20 years he's been making... I assume single-handedly initially, mm. but this film this film does have credits, so more people came along at some point. Yes, yeah, and it's basically just this like big stop-motion showcase of like I'm assuming this this like person's descent into hell. Yeah, that's the thing. The trailer is very like visual heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh, also the 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 big gimmick as well is that this is with no dialogue. Yeah, there's no dialogue in Mad yes. God. It's all yeah, yeah. told through visual storytelling. So I was like, yeah, all right, I've got to give that a go. And I think it was only like 90 minutes as well. Well, yeah. 
Well, for stop yeah, motion, yeah. which like, yeah, <laughs> yeah fair yeah. enough. But just like a film that was 90 minutes, like, oh, good, 90 minutes and it's over. Oh, to me, that's, yeah, like instantly bumps up a star. Yeah. If it's on the <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, Mad God was one of those. So it was like, oh, watch Mad God then. And it's like, if you see the trailer to Mad... Fuck, if you see the poster to Mad God, mm. you've seen the film. Pretty much. Yeah. I, was, I shouldn't have been disappointed, I guess. <sighs> I just I had no idea about what it was when I watched it. No, I, I knew I think it's on Shudder. Yeah, so it was like horror-y. horror-y. It's, it's very like it's it's an adult kind of. It's almost like a Romanian art animated movie. Well, that's it's the thing. Kind of, I think like the art housiness of it. It doesn't really set in until for me. It didn't really set in until I started watching the film. No, no, no yeah. The trailer is just yeah. kind of like I didn't even see. Yeah, I haven't seen the trailer. Yeah, I think I saw the trailer, and it is just kind of. It's a lot of it is just like imagery, just like yeah. imagery from the film, but it focuses on like the. The, the sort of disgusting, gory, yeah, yeah, textural yeah. angle of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely, like, the best thing about it. It is a visual feast. Yeah. You've got to give it that. Yeah. Monotone, I'll give you that. That's it. It's not nice to look at. It's impressive. It's impressive, and it's not nice to look at, but I think in the way that it is. In the way that it wants. But, yeah, it's an interesting kind of paradox, that. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like Wolf of Wall Street. It's, yeah. oh, they show the excess by being excessive. But, yeah, it's excessive. But it's excessive, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, but this world's ugly. Yeah, but I don't want to not like looking at it. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. It's the kind of, it's really not my thing. No. It really not. I just kind of, uh, it like felt a bit grimy and just. Yeah, and like, I'm it. perfectly okay with yeah. that being like what the film wanted to be. And yeah. I think if it was, it did pull it off. Yeah. But, yeah, it just kind of. It is very art housey. It is very like it's not even th- even though there's no dialogue to prop it up. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear like what it's. Oh, doing. you're not meant to know what's happening or yeah. care about the people. There are no characters. It's yeah. It's just it's visuals. It is pure visuals. It's just evolving yeah. visuals. That's what it is, and that's oh, what it, you want. It's to exactly do. the type of film that you would get from a craftsman making a film. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly, exactly the type of what you'd is. expect from a visual effects artist who's not a writer yeah. doing a film in which who, he's who has a like an aesthetic hobby horse. The like yeah. he's into a certain style. Yeah. And he's got this pin board with all you know, his mood board with yeah. all the with like concentration camps on it and stuff. <laughs> um and, and Blade Runner and you know, and it's yeah, I don't know. It's just not my thing. No. It, like stuff like that, it really alienates me. Like it, it's an academic exercise watching it. It's not. I can absolutely see in like twenty years' time, this will be on some school yeah. curriculum or it was yeah, yeah. uni curriculum. Yeah, yeah, in uni. On like That's an, from the, it from rem- animation. Module it reminds me of things that I saw in the animation module. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from Eastern Europe. It feels so, yeah. like it could go on an animate like on a, an, an education curriculum, mm. but really, it feels like now that he's done it. Yeah. Like, he's done it. Good for him. Yeah. But it feels like the only real purpose of this film is to be on his showreel. Yeah. Like, oh, look, I made a film. Look at this film I made. It's one of those oh, things... Oh, cool. You clearly know what you're doing. It's... We're going to bring you on to do something else now. It's a magnum opus, but most people aren't going to appreciate that because yeah. uh, only he knows how long it... Well, not only... But you know what I mean? Only he can really appreciate how long it took, the effort that goes into it. Yeah. Most people, they, they just want to watch a film and enjoy it. They like... Yeah. That's the, most people watching Wallace and Gromit aren't really thinking about. No, and you shouldn't. That's what I'm saying. No, like, no. It, it can be frustrating when you put so much hard work into something. Yeah, and no one appreciates it because they don't see it. But then you have done your job. Yeah, but that's the th- like with Mad God because there is nothing else because yeah. it is just the craft. Yeah, because it's just it's just the feat of the thing. The fact is, yeah. it exists is like more important than anything that happens in the film. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like it's that, not enjoyable. No, yeah. That is the selling point of the film. Yeah. This exists. Pretty much. And if you're studying the craft, it's probably enjoyable to look at it as just like a feat of stop-motion-ness. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it is well put together. No, it is. It's well made. But I would say that the, the disappointing thing for me is that if it is... If that is the only real purpose to Mad God, if it is mm. just like this kind of tonal... Like, it's an experience. You watch mm. it to be in a certain mood mm. and to see all of this fantastic stop-motion animation before mm. you, it's disappointing that when they fall back on live-action footage... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, be, ...that they've, like, messed with the frame rate for. That whole, like, sequence with the Doctors, and then mm. I think above the surface, like, the, the they kind of show you the circumstance of the lead-up to that guy going down into hell or whatever it mm. is. All of that is live-action footage. And that just felt like... It compromised the purity of it for me. Yeah. That was the moment for me when it was like... Okay, I acknowledge this isn't going to be like a film. This mm. isn't going to be like a, a, a thing that I'll come back to, mm. but I can enjoy it like on its own terms. And then it did something that corrupted its own terms. It wasn't it, it, stop motion anymore. It, like I can't even. I, just, I was never in it to be out of it. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't like say, yeah. oh, it compromised the purity because I didn't. If that was pure, I don't want to know what dirty is. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, well, Mad God is dirty. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it is a dirty version. That's, of that's what I mean. Like, what? When are you going to be in the mood to watch Mad God? Oh, that's never again. Never. Again. I will never see it again. And it's. It reminds me of come back to Stuart Lee quickly. He's talking about the act, the the, the performance not going well, <laughs> as he does, and he says it's like being trapped in a thicket. I said it's interesting, and it? it's not enjoyable. <laughs> and that's kind of what you could say about Mad God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think that with um with Don't Hug Me, I know it's like it's a different type of horror. Mm. What Mad God's going for, and what Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared is going for. Mm-hmm. I think that is a better horror experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Than Mad God. Yeah, and I think even if Del Toro's Pinocchio is mm. not good on a narrative mm. filmmaking level. The craft of it is just going to be more impressive than what Mad God's doing well, anyway. Well, Mad and Mad God is it's relic. I can't really complain about how it was put together, but it's it's horrible to watch it. Yeah, it, it's the kind of horror film where it's or horror experience where it's it's grimy. Mm. It's like, I, this isn't. It's just not pleasant. Yeah, you need you feel like you need a bath. Afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And there are people to whom that is a selling point, and there are people to whom I guess the craft of it is a selling point. I don't know if anyone listening is that person. No. If by chance you are. Hey, Mad God is a thing that exists. Yeah. Okay. I also saw a film. You also saw a film? Yeah, it's called Vengeance. Oh, is this the... the, the um... It's the BJ Novak Yeah, film. I think that's why I didn't see Vengeance. Yeah, I, I get why you'd be annoyed by him. Very quickly, it's about a, a New Yorker who like writes for New Yorker magazine or whatever. He's a, a, a liberal, uh, pseudo-intellectual wanker. Mm. Like, the film thinks that of him. That's not just me. Okay. He's got a podcast... You know, okay. he's one of those wackers. Yeah, right. And a girl that he had like a Tinder thing with, basically, mm. from Texas, dies. The family think he's the boyfriend. Mm. So they say, you're going to come to the funeral. He kind of feels guilted into it. He goes to the funeral, out of place in the heart of Texas. And her brother says to him, it wasn't a drug overdose. She was murdered. I want to find the person responsible. You're going to help me because you were her boyfriend and we're going to kill him. Okay. And then BJ Novak think, right, okay, I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, you're, he doesn't say this to him, but like, you're in denial. It, 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 we're in an opioid <laughs> epidemic in this country. Yeah. She died. And then he kind of gets in touch with the editor. He says, I'm going to do a podcast about why people create conspiracy theories and myths to not be, to not have to deal with the tragic truth of blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's going to be about why people feel the need for vengeance. So that's the setup. Okay. And it's a comedy. 
Um, okay. It's a little. It's a bit like a thesis. The film, or it's like a final year script for university. Hmm. In that, it's about an idea. Has he written it? Yeah, he wrote and directed it. Is he a writer? The Office. Oh he, right. He's okay. One of the yeah. oh, okay. I was. I was going to say, is this what? Is this another example of like an actor turning his hand? No, no. Writing? He's principally a writer. On in the he was a writer that acted. Okay. You know, he's one. Fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's about an idea. You know, it's like, oh, here's my thesis idea. Okay. With a lot of little ideas in orbit. In the beginning, he has this spiel post-title about how America is divided. And D.G. Novak is clearly putting all of his thoughts into his screenplay. Mm. Into the mouth of his quote-unquote character. Yeah. Which is him. He's sad as much. It's a bit didactic, that chunk. But I know it's difficult to represent those ideas without just saying them out loud. So it's stuff like, we're not divided by... Uh, region were divided by time because I can message you and you can respond in a minute, ten minutes, an hour, two days. Like he's clearly just had all these ideas about things, and mm. I'm going to say them all in this film. Okay. So his initial instinct is that this girl was the victim of an overdose, part of the opioid epidemic. It takes a lot of shots at the which I liked the metropolitan propensity to over intellectualize everything. Okay. Um, or add layers of nuance and conceptual frameworks where there aren't any, as well as the smug condescension that's kind of often nestled within that. So when he meets her family, they're like, so you're going to help us? He's like, I'm good at a few things. So I'm good at, you know, this, that. And I'm, this is the quote. I'm good at drawing thematic connections between seemingly disparate elements and using that to illustrate a larger point or theory. So whoever or whatever is responsible for what happened to Abilene, that's the girl, I will find this person or this generalized societal force and I will define it. <laughs> right. right. So he's that guy. Okay. Um, All right. Like, that's funny. And it's like that condescension of... They obviously think she's murdered, and he's like, I will find out whoever or whatever. Mm. You know, uh, he's just a bit of a prick, basically. Okay. But in the meantime, there are a lot lot of jokes. He's obviously a comedy writer, Mm. uh, a lot of gags, a lot of zingers. It's refreshingly self-aware about how annoying liberal millennials are. He really is mostly the butt of the joke for the film. And he's actually a piece of shit. The character's actually a piece of shit. Right. It's not like... um, Oh, we joke, we joke, and we we laugh at him. But like, really, the Texans, the idiots, and he's a smart. No, he's a dick. He's okay. a dickhead. He does get like one moment to let loose and kind of say what he feels about them. Uh, but I, we're not meant to like him when he does that. Okay. I know it's called Vengeance because that feeds into the theme, but I don't think it's a good title. In interviews, Novak has said that the film is about why people feel the need for vengeance, and you kind of feel that the film then is going to undercut that or challenge that. But, spoiler, it doesn't, it confirms it. Okay. It's it's a kind of irony that folds back in on itself, but not in a totally lucid way. Right. It's it's a bit muddled. So basically he finds out that she was killed hmm. by a ca- character played by Ashton Kutcher, who's pretty good in the film. Okay. He's actually pretty, he plays it like a record producer who talks like Tom Waits, to, not, not the voice, but like, you know, the universe is spinning and you're right, here to leave okay. your imprint and... And you find out he killed her. And at the end, BJ Novak kills him. Okay. He just shoots him. It goes to a dark place, you know, which is nice and unexpected. I don't think it completely feels right. It is a bit like, that's not the film I just watched. Mm. Um, yeah, I was expecting to, him to define him. Yeah, no, that, that, shoot him. that's the thing. You think, oh, okay, yeah, he thinks it's about, there's no real need to vengeance. It's about why people feel the need. Mm. But it kind of, he ends up undercutting it. And mm. you could say something about oh yeah, he's undercutting that over-intellectualizing and over-analyzing. Yeah. But like I said, it's a little bit confused because like, what was this film meant to be saying? Is it Was like, it meant to be saying that, oh no, like conspiracy theories are true. Yeah. And it's it, it's kind of a weird one. Well, is it played as a comedic beat? 
Is it played when he like kills it? Aston Kutcher? Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Okay. It's it's a comedy, but with you know, it's a, a comedy drama. Okay. You know, there are gags in it like um, the one everyone talks about is when he's at a, a, a game and they're like, "Who here supports University of Texas or whatever?" He's like, "Woohoo!" But no, like the place they're from, they they support the other Texas team. He just doesn't know it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like fish out of water. Mm. Um, a kid's like, you know how to fix my gun? You know, all that sort of stuff. Right. But no, there's like a strain of, of drama going through it. But it goes to a very dark place, which is, I think, tonally inconsistent. Okay. But it's not bad. It's okay. It's pretty good. But like I said, if you approach it thinking it is like a thesis, you've got all these ideas about America and how people are divided and liberals and conservatives and Texas and New York. And if you know that going in, I think there's stuff, there's quite a lot to like in there. Okay. It's a very like screenplay film. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you so, think yeah. it will get screenplay nominations or is it not that kind of I don't film? think it'll rise quite to that level. Like for me, it's my fifth favorite screenplay of the year so far. Okay. It might, but I don't think so. But I would, if what I said you like, then I recommend it. BJ Novak, though. Yeah, but he's playing a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, should I, it's a self-aware performance. Should I allow that, though? Should I allow him to be like, oh, it's okay because I'm playing a dick? Well. It's like, yeah, but you are a dick. That's why I, that's why I wasn't going to watch it. Why don't you like BJ Novak, though? Because I mean, he plays a dick in The Office as well. Yeah, I know that. But like... And I'm not intimately familiar with the US office either. It's not even as if, like, no. oh, I had to fucking sit through BJ yeah, Novak yeah, yeah, yeah. for that long. I just, like, I don't know. I think it's just his, like, vibe. His face. Are you anti-Semitic? No, no. <laughs> one no, thing, one of the don't things, be like this One now. of the things that the brother, uh, Boyd Holbrook plays a brother, says to him is, um, BJ Novak says to him, I'm not on a, t- a Liam Neeson movie. Like, I'm not going to go out and avenge. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, wasn't that a Neeson movie? Uh... Schindler's List like, like Beach Novak says Schindler's is like yeah man that's a good movie you look a lot like the guys in that movie <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's, there's quite a lot of that. Oh, there's a bit of that uh, but um yeah no I think it's just like no he does he from does what I've seen like, of him he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that I would I'd want to watch I've only seen him in re- quote unquote real life once on Bill Maher mm. he does have a little little bit of a smug air about him but I don't think he I think that's he can't help his face sort of thing okay he does seem genuinely concerned about the division in America okay and like I want to bridge that gap and you know yeah like for the kind of film that it is it doesn't you don't get like that carpetbagger thing of the, the tourist of like someone from the coast going to text like oh these people are actually people mm. you don't really get that you know it's it, you feel like oh no his heart is in the right place yeah so anyway that was Vengeance. Okay. We have one more thing to review. We do? The Midnight Club. We do. Yes. Do you want to give a quick plot summary? Okay, so Midnight Club is about eight young adults yeah. who have cancer. Um, they don't all have cancer. They don't though. all have cancer. Yeah. Some of them They're all have, terminally ill. They all have yeah. terminally ill, yeah. yeah. They, they all have <laughs> terminally <laughs> ill. Um, yes, and it's sort of like, it's about all of them, but it mainly follows mm-hmm. like a main character called Alonka, yeah. who gets thyroid cancer yeah yeah and she reads up on this hostel hospice hospice yeah that's the word yes not what i said (laughs) uh like this hospice uh full of young people Mm -hmm. who have terminal illnesses and there's one particular person who went there disappeared under strange circumstances and came back cured of her cancer yeah and so she decides i want to go there yeah so goes there meets up with like a bunch of like the people that are already there and they have all this thing called the Midnight Club, in which they meet up every midnight to sort of discuss spooky, scary stories. Mm-hmm. And so the show 
it sort of ends up becoming like a serialized anthology show in a way because it's kind of. it's a show of two halves. You've got yes. Ilonka's quest to kind of figure out what's going on, how uh, what happened to this woman, mm-hmm. and what she can do to rid herself of her cancer and her what become her friends, mm-hmm. rid them of their illnesses. And then alongside that, you've got the stories that are being told in the Midnight Club. Yes, with like each character. Does every character tell a story, or is there... No, not every character. I think Sherry? Sherry? I honestly don't know them by name. There's like I know one, the couple, a few of them by name. Yeah, there's like one character like in the first episode where they say, oh, she never contributes, and I don't think she does contribute in the show. Is she the, the other black girl? Yes. Oh, it's, no, the third She's black the one girl. who gives a yeah, lot yeah, of the wig. Yeah, the wig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, she doesn't get a story. I think, I, yeah, she doesn't get a story, but I think her payoff is supposed to be that she's the one that jumps in when Alonka is struggling in the final episode to finish yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, like, the, the the ultimate thing is, like, they all help tell the they story. They all help tell the story. That's, That's the... how that gets paid off. Yes. But, yeah, I think she's the first one to jump in. So it's like, yeah. oh, she is contributing, finally. Yeah. But, yeah, most of them get a story. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the story of their lives. Yeah. Like, through those stories, you learn about that character. Yes. To varying degrees. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the Midnight Club. That's the Midnight Club. It's Mike Flanagan. It's Mike Flanagan. It's, it's this year's Mike Flanagan Netflix thing. Yes. He had Midnight Mass, The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor, yeah. and several horror films. It's not a mini-series, though. It's an ongoing series. I did wonder that. Yeah, well, you just think, I kind of knew that g- going in, because things, they're always billed as a mini-series. This wasn't. Uh, it, it, but it hasn't, like, been... It's not one of those things where it's already been picked up for a season two. Okay. We have this, and then we'll see, kind of thing. Okay. Given Flanagan's catalogue, it was a mental adjustment I had to make, that, right, you're not in mini-series mode, this is a longer story. Okay. It, you do have to... It, it does change things. Because with Mid- Midnight Mass, like, well, I'm not going to get to the end of the story. Yeah. Midnight Club is not like that. You don't know how long... No, if this was a for. miniseries, the ending is thoroughly unsatisfying. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And given that it's a longer story, it's less focused hmm. than his other shows. So, the first episode of the series, I don't know if you know this, it broke the Guinness World Record... Most jump scares. Most scripted jump scares yeah, in a yeah, single yeah. episode of television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are 21 jump scares. Okay. Now, at first, I was disappointed by this. Because I thought, oh, but you're known for not doing that. Mm. But then he found a way to fucking make it work contextually. <laughs> <laughs> fucking my <Mike> time <laughs> <Simon> again! <laughs> I know. It was like, he was consciously... At first, I thought, oh, he's consciously rejecting his reputation for no jump scares. Yeah. To show you what he's not doing. It's like Stuart Lee. Yeah. Again. Uh, it's like a Stuart Lee joke. But it's it was bold, foregrounding the jumps with the first episode. There are jumps throughout, yeah. but with that density. Because I think, yeah, that's more palatable for casual viewers that just want a horror show. Yeah. That like the jumpy stuff. But if you're not into that, it could be a turn-off. Like, 100%. Like, I don't like jump Yeah, it's stuff. a tricky balance, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, the rest of the show is absolutely not that. Cause, no, it's not that. And when you get to the end of the first episode, you're like, oh, okay, right. I know why they did that. Yeah. I don't have to expect that for the whole thing. But it was because if you got to get there, mm. you know. And yeah, it, it is a tricky balance. Like, yo, yeah, we'll pull in the horror crowd. Yeah. But what but the the asses that loved his other stuff, mm. um, I guess the same thing with yeah. fan communities and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the novel is based on a novel. I didn't know. know Yeah, like a 200-page novel. Yeah. It's like nothing. It's nothing. And the novel was written in 1994. Mm -hmm. I love that he resisted the urge to update it. It's set in 1994. Yeah, yeah. And teenagers from 1994 Ah, are bearable. It's set in 1994. Yeah. Like the story's actually set in 1994. So it's like a present-day story in 1994. 
Yeah. The show is period, but the book is present the, day. The book was... The, yes. So the book was written in 94, set in 94. Got it. The show is also set okay. in Okay. Yeah, I completely agree with you yeah. on that. And also, yes, I was I was very encouraged <laughs> the by the fact that this is a cast of young people. Yeah. And I liked them all. I liked them all. Even, I, I, even the, like, deliberately abrasive one. Yeah. At, at first, I thought eight was too many. Mm. But it settles in. Like, I found it in the book, it's five. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know... I like that, that he's like, oh, I'm adapting it. Like, I am doing my own thing with it. Yeah. It's we- also, it's not like a really famous book. Either. It's not, It doesn't have a Wikipedia article. Oh, really? It's just like what, this guy who wrote loads of, like, young adult horror books. Okay. It's just one of them. Interesting. Which really shows that Flanagan is proper yeah, into he, his horror. You yeah, know, he, he knows of, what he likes. Yeah. Um, when you say that there are five people. Five teenagers. Five teenagers yeah. in the book. In the Midnight Club. Which five? I don't know which five. Okay. Like, I he... assume Ilonka, Kevin. Um, well, that's the question. Has Hania. he added big characters or has he added background characters? I assume background characters, but presumably for longevity's sake. Yeah. Because A, they're terminally ill, mm. and B, it's more story, you know? Yeah. And also, I don't know, this is an assumption, one of the benefits, and I, I find it really interesting to think about this, of doing a show that was that's set in 94, the book was written in 94, is we now have the benefit of hindsight on that time period as well. Mm. So I'm going to guess that the AIDS character may not have been a thing in the book. Yeah. I don't know. Like AIDS was the 80s and the 90s. But now that like we associate that time mm. with HIV AIDS, we can put a character like that in. Whereas at the time, it may not have been thought about. Well, as you know, um, my mother is of the medical profession. Yes. And uh, I watched the show with her. She's a massive Mike Flanagan fan, so she's yeah. obviously going to watch this. We watched the whole thing together. And yeah, she seemed a bit confused by him having AIDS. Okay. Just because I think, given his age... Yeah. Was it AIDS? Was it the AIDS one? I think there were a couple of them mm. where it was like, from a medical perspective, it was highly unusual for them well, to uncommon, have the condition yeah. that they yeah. have. And for it to be as advanced as it was as well. Right, right. So I think the episode where he's, he gets, like, lumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she, that might have been the moment where she was like, oh, I wonder what, how old is he then? Because for him to get it at, to this stage mm. at this age, that's highly uncommon. Right, okay. Well, I, obviously I don't know about anything like that. Yeah. But, um, and I'm not saying it, like, ruins the show. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. interesting to get that perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I don't know. The AIDS thing might have been a big thing in the book. You yeah. Know, it was, but it seems like the type of thing that hindsight can afford you yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, didn't find any of them irritating. Nope. Um, it has the Flanagan look. Yeah. Um, kind of the feel. Yeah. It is more young adult fiction. Mm. It is more young adulty. It's it's not as mature as Midnight Mass or Haunting of Hill House. No. Not to say that it's like, oh, Hunger Gamesy, but it is clearly young adult fiction. That's the thing. And I'm wondering if that was deliberate given how heavy a lot of the stuff that they're dealing with in that show is. Yeah. Because even if, yeah, even through saying like, oh, it's more young adult fictiony. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they they're constantly confronting their own mortality and they're yeah, they're talking I, about death and like coming to terms with the fact that they are dying. And it's no less scary or graphic than the other shows he's done. Mm. It, it's not it's not been toned down in that sense. It's more, you know, they're teenagers. So it is it has a young adult bent to it where yeah. Midnight Mass is it's a very it's dealing with very mature idea, religion and all that mm. kind of stuff. Not that these themes aren't mature, you know, death. Mortality. And not that these themes aren't present in... Uh, no, in like, no, absolutely. Either. There is a character who yeah. is Catholic or Christian. And, no, yes. and she comes into conflict with people because of her faith. Yes, but they're teenagers. Yeah. So it, it just has a flavor, a young adult flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. 
I like that he can cut the cloth for match. It's like, because I'm doing a young adult thing, it's going to have that feel. It's not going to mm. be like a midnight mass. They're not all going to feel like the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that he's kind of adapted it. You know, he has adapted Yeah, writing for young people and, like, I don't know. I, uh, they, I guess they talk like young people. They certainly don't talk like someone trying to write for young people. No, no, no. They're, 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 the dialogue's very comfortable. They're, they're mature young people, but they would be because they're dying. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, yeah, the dialogue it's, fits comfortably. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, yeah. And it's not as... I know one of the problems people had with Midnight Mass was the abundance of monologues. Yeah. I didn't have that because I love a good monologue. Mm. But going into this, everyone was saying, like, no monologues or fewer monologues. Okay. And yeah, there's a lot less of that Flanagan dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, you believe them. Yeah, so when I locked into the fact that it was young adult, I was like, okay. Mm. I enjoyed it more then. When I locked into that's what that's what it was going to be. Okay. Clever ideas, but it's blessedly not entirely anthological. Mm. Uh, it's more like Buffy, okay. where using horror and supernatural tropes to say something about the character, mm. their past, their relationship to it, and their view of the other characters. I was like, I wonder how the book presented the stories, because... In this, you'll often clued into the meaning through which actor is playing the part. Mm. You know what I mean? If it's like a love interest, yeah, and there are characters that have a crush on each other, they'll play characters in, in the, that person's yeah, in, story. in the telling of the story. Yes, I wonder how the book did that. Maybe it's just like very clear. It's a clear inference. Maybe. Oh, they're talking about that. Do you know what I mean? Though that's an interesting because yeah. you only get that through the cast choice. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. it's a very visual cue. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, right. They, they yeah. think they have that sort of relationship with that character. Exactly. It does suffer from a similar problem to anthologies, in that some stories are weaker than other ones. Go on, then. What was your favourite? What was your least favourite? Oh, okay. Um, well, I really liked Anya's first one. The ballerina one? Yeah. Yeah, that's like a that's a good introductory. It's like, a good introductory one. This is what you can expect from the stories going forward. Yeah, because we don't know much about that character by that point. Like the whole ballet angle yes. is like a total surprise. Yeah, but you get it as well. It bleeds through. Like I knew, oh, she's talking about herself. This is what happened yeah, to her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, very clever. I liked the car one, which yeah. picks up the hitchhikers. Yeah, that's very like concepted. Yeah. Also, fucking thingy. Yes, uh, Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, I can't even remember his no, name. Now. No, no, yeah, who you are, yeah. Elliot. You're Elliot. Okay, the, the Flanagan guy. Yeah, the um, Flanagan guy. There's a couple of them that pop up. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, less of that. A lot less of that. There, like, are, I think was, there are three, right? Yeah, it was very weird to see Zach Guilford. There's his name, isn't it? Yeah, I tell you why. To see him in such like a given how important he was to Midnight Mass. Yeah, Mads, how like further back he is now. I tell you what, as well, because I haven't I haven't seen him in anything really before Midnight Mass. I know he's big in Friday Night Lights, but I haven't got to that yet. Mm. But Midnight Mass. It's a good performance. It's not bad by any means. But it's like, he's like every guy. He's like, an, you know, he's the normal guy. Yeah. And he was the one that was nominated, him and Linklater. Yeah. They were the two big awards nominees. And I was like, oh, I guess. I mean, mm. but, he's, but then seeing him in this, you do appreciate the range. Then you go, oh, right. He's not just doing nothing. Yes. Like he was playing it in mid, properly in Midnight Mass. He was, yeah. And yeah, in this, he's like a nice guy with mm. hair and... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't uh, fucking explode on a canoe. Who doesn't explode on a canoe. And of course, Samantha Sloyan. But we'll get to that. Yes. Um, oh yeah, of course, yeah. Yes. Uh, but no, it was nice to see, yeah. I feel like they used him right. They used him right, yeah. And the, I liked him. I liked, you know, that guy. Yeah. It's uh, the weakest one, the gaming one, probably. Oh yeah, I forgot about the gaming yeah. one. Yeah. You know, summer week is the way it goes. I think, because this is a, a problem as well. There are a couple of stories. I think the gaming one is definitely one of them. 
but where it have little impact on the real world yeah that's yeah we kind of know everything that that story introduces we kind of already know that about that character yes it just confirms what we're already kind of yeah clued into well in that story another flanagan regular pops up Rahul Kohli oh yeah, yeah yeah um the ah here's the question yeah is he the chef from Blind Manor or is he the sheriff from Midnight Mass well he's the sheriff isn't he Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The chef came first. No, I know. And he was the big jump scare in Blind Manor as well. But Midnight Mass. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's all you have to say to yeah. me. It was both on number one, wasn't it? Of last year. Yeah, absolutely. On number one thing of last year. Number one, yeah. yeah. Film or TV of yeah. last year. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, because like you've got the, the the Anya's story with the battle arena. Yeah. Where it, it's a genuine insight into that character. Mm-hmm. You've got the... The one where the car is go- like going in a loop, where it's that character opening up to another character. So yes. it's like the story itself. The it, it like represents the ch- the shift in a relationship yeah, yeah, between yeah. two characters. Kind of a similar thing with the noir one, the detective noir mm-hmm. one, where that's basically just a massive apology. A massive to apology, character. yeah. But yeah. the gaming one, it's just yeah, that's who that guy is. Yeah, that's like have you, have you. Your room, what was that HBR anthology thing? Room one oh, you know, you're inside number nine or your room one oh whatever, yeah, um, or your Twilight Zone. If you've got six episodes, that's your fifth one. Yeah, so yeah, that's just one of them. Also, the Terminator one as well, I thought was a bit weak. Yeah, um, I like that it does like it, it does get a bit out there. Yeah, because that in that moment it does feel like a young person is telling that story because it's like, and then there's machines yes. from the future, and yes, like yes. that that works on like a plausibility level. Yeah. But yeah, as a story, I think the only thing we really learn from it is that we meet, quote unquote, the guy that gave him AIDS. Yeah. Um, yes. We don't really learn anything else. Well, around the halfway point, so around the Gamer episode, yeah. it did tip for me into like, I'd, I'd rather not with the anthology thing now. Mm. Um, I thought that was I thought that was going to happen. I thought that there were going to be... I knew there was going to be an episode where they don't meet. Yeah. And that's where we get the car episode. But I genuinely yeah. thought it was going to reach the point where, like, we, we stop having stories now. Yeah, I knew there was going to be an episode where they don't meet. And I knew there was going to be an episode, and probably the finale, where they all tell one together. Yeah. I knew I knew that was coming. I was convinced that... Is it Kevin? The, the, yeah. the main guy with leukemia? Yeah. I was convinced his story wasn't going to get finished. I'm surprised that they finished it. Yes. And when the second... Anya's second episode happens... Yeah. That felt... When it happened, it felt inevitable. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. oh yeah, okay. It's it's that. Yeah. Um, is that the episode five of Midnight Club? Yes, it is. For those who don't know, because yeah. I realise we are now speaking in code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we always say that like, Mike Flanagan seems to really like his fifth episodes because yeah. every se- series he's done peaks around episode five. Yeah. Haunting of Hill House is the Bent Neck Lady episode. Yeah. Obviously, uh, it's followed on by the one take episode, yeah, which two is, storms. you know, Achievement in yeah. television. Mm-hmm. In Bly Manor, I'm pretty sure it's the one with the, the housekeeper, the yes. housekeeper, yeah. where you find out that she's a ghost falling mm-hmm. through time. And then in Midnight Mass, it's the episode where Zach Guilford is... Combusts. Turned, he combusts, yeah. 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 That fucking yeah, yeah. horrible <laughs> piece of television that we all yeah. have to live with now. Um, and then episode... I didn't know what... I, I think the gaming episode was episode five, right? It was, because I was similarly waiting for five. Like, oh, is it gonna, it's going to be... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was five. Yeah. But no, it happened before that, didn't it? I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's that. Yeah. It's that one. It's the annual one. It's the annual one. So I'm glad we got it, at least. I'm glad, I'm glad we got, had yeah. an episode five, as it were. And I know that the stories are the point 
yeah. a large part of the point. But I did want more of the real world, especially as it went on. Yeah. And especially when that narrative is gaining traction toward the end, you don't want to go back into a confection. Yes. Like, oh, I don't want to go now. Come on. It's, the things are picking up. Well, that's what I mean by it really felt like a show of two halves at one it point. It really it was like, it does, oh, yeah. this is the, the storytelling part of the episode. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I, we're kind of being, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I really wish it wasn't that, though. I really, like, if it was just the hospice stuff, mm. I'd like it a lot, lot more. I'm debating as to whether this is better or worse than Bly Manor. Like, it's it's no Hill House, it's no Midnight Mass, so it's either third or fourth for me. In yeah. Terms of Flanagan yeah, shows. let's just, yeah, get straight to the point. Yeah, it's no Midnight Mass, but that's fine. Yeah. Nothing's, very few things. Well, no, are. that's like, it doesn't have yeah. the, the, the tightness no, like the the impeccable craft. Of no, Midnight and Mass. part part of that is because it's not a miniseries. No, and it doesn't have yeah. the emotional staying power of Hill House. Absolutely, absolutely, it, it's still good. Yeah, um, but I'd rather not with the anthology stuff. I mm. I just want you know the hospice stuff. As you say, it's like that's the problem you get with anthologies. Some of it would be better than others. And I do think that absolutely a lot of the better stuff was the earlier stuff. Like I said, Anya's ballerina episode. I think Kevin's. Uh, serial killer story was my favourite one yeah that was good uh, like I said it, it was like that for me was the scariest portion of the show just like when you see the image of like the people that he's killed that are like he's having to live with yeah yeah and yeah. the tension as to whether he's going to have to kill the, the girl, he, the yeah, girl yeah, that yeah. he ends up falling in love with yes like I was genuine that was the only one where I was like properly invested in it and I felt like the horror was genuinely unsettling yeah well everyone looking out the window at you I liked um, That's a freaky idea. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, and also the Noir one was just fun. That was just a fun That was story. fun. That was fun. Like I said, it was the gaming one where I thought, I'm done with that now. Yeah. I'm done with that. Yeah. And other than the car one, I don't think anything rose to the, the heights of like the first half of the series. No, it, it's front loaded, definitely. Yeah. I do like that it's not an episode, a character. I like that because that's such an obvious impulse. Yeah. Especially there are eight of them. There are 10 episodes. You've got the setup, the finale, and then you have the eight in the middle. Exactly. They didn't do that, which yeah. I like. I wish the mysteries were a bit more clear. Yeah. It's a bit, do you know what I mean? It's a bit muddy. It's a bit like, especially because you keep dipping back into their stories. It's like, okay, so there's this, there's this woman who was cured, right? Okay. And then like they're seeing ghosts and he's here. And she, it's, do you know what I mean? I want it to be a bit more like in yeah. Lost, there's a weird monster. What's the monster? Yeah. I know Lost is criticized for all, but like, at least you know what the mysteries are. Mm. In this, it's like, uh, just, well, that's, that's what I was sort of saying to you about like the, the ending felt disappointing yeah. if this was indeed if the, this end was the end and it wasn't being continued because there are ghosts yeah there are like two main ghosts that kind of follow a, the main character around yeah and then a late series revelation is that the love interest Kevin mm-hmm. is also seeing the ghosts yes but they're kind of like she's mainly haunted by one and he's mainly haunted by the other which yeah. is interesting the, yeah, the yeah, ghost yeah. seems to have picked yeah, favourites pick, yeah and then like in the final minute of the final episode, one of the characters walks past the portrait, and that's supposed to be the explanation as to what those ghosts are. Yes, the the founders of the yeah. There was no hospital. like build. Not only was there no build up to it, I don't mm. feel like the show seemed to care what the yeah. ghosts were. Yeah, I, and it wasn't really about the house. It wasn't like Hill House, where the location was a huge character. Yeah, to the show, the location was just a location, really. Yes. 
a lot of full-length rugs. Yeah. That, similar to Hill House, in fact, but other than that... In fact, I'm almost convinced that, like, this set was constructed was reused. pieces of Hill House. Yeah, it feels that like that. staircase, like that long staircase, I know. that's so Hill House. Yeah, a lot of it's Hill House. Yeah, I just, um... I mean, it's a perennial problem with supernatural stuff that, like, right, why are the ghosts showing up now? Yeah. Why, you know, but nevertheless, he managed it with Hill House. I, like I said, I just wish that the, the real world as it were narrative was a bit more focused and streamlined yeah flagpole sitter was weird oh yeah is that just because we've <laughs> seen peep show well yes but here's the thing it definitely bespeaks a cultural divide mm. so like peep show can probably still be defined as a cult comedy yeah but Netflix has really inflated it mm. I don't think it's on American Netflix but it's probably so if you're on Tinder in people's bios if they quote something yeah like without context it's most commonly Peep Show, and then after that, IT Crowd. And they're both on Netflix. Okay. I do, so, I do actually wonder, like, how many, since Succession has come out, like, how mm. many people have found Peep Show through Succession? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's, like, how most people think. It's like, oh, I wonder what this guy did before I, Succession. I don't think they do. Okay. Especially because it's not, you would never even think it was a British writer, comedy writer, you know. Yeah. Um, well, to maintain my integrity. Yes. I will. I will say that at least one person. Oh, at least one. Yeah, has yeah, found sure. succession. Has found Peep, Peep show, show through success. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. But yeah, Peep Show is probably the most insider, like quoted thing on Tinder. It, they wouldn't, obviously, not in the US. But I don't think any British show would use a song at all in any context. Yeah, that's I think because even though it's still, like, said, could probably still be called niche. It's so associated with that show. Mm. I, do, I It can't be used anymore. Okay. In, in a British show. Yeah. I doubt in America they even, like, know. Oh, yeah, probably yeah. not. Well, what's weird. what's weird about that as well is that I think the second episode also ends with a song as well. Yes, it does. It happens enough times that that seems to set a trend where it's like, oh, we're going to... A music- 90s song. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what a 90s song is going to play us out. Yeah. And then it just stops after a while. It just becomes ambient music again. I think it's No Rain by Blind Melon. Yeah. All I can say is that my life yeah. is pretty... Pl- yeah, yeah. Um, do they do a Radiohead song as well? I know they bring up a Radiohead song in yeah. the show. I don't... Well, they perform green, a Green Day song. Yeah. Time of Your Life. I mean, it, it's, it plays right into my 90s nostalgia, you know, like, mm. that's two words for Anya, and I, I'm sorry. Go on. Sinead O'Cancer. Oh, right. That's <laughs> because she looks like Sinead O'Connor. Okay. She's Irish. She looks unusual when she's healthy. <laughs> I don't want to be mean. You're just being mean to no. the cripple now, Sam. Well, I, she's probably my favorite in the show. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, exactly. Like she's everyone's favorite. Probably. She's everyone's favorite. But and also, she does like, have that kind of face. Where... Also, props to her. I'm going to compliment her before you continue. To okay, all right, her. go on. Props to her because I think this is her first acting thing, right? Oh, I have no idea. I, th- I think th- a lot of them it's their first acting. I was told yeah. by my mother, so if I'm wrong, my mother is wrong. Okay. And I blame her. Okay. That Mike Flanagan. She was like a TikTok comedian. Oh, right. And Mike Flanagan saw her on TikTok, mm. and that kind of sparked the beginning of the process that got her onto the middle. Okay. Club. So I, I think this is her first proper acting gig. Yeah, I'm not criticizing her at all. No. I, I, she's great. I'm just saying that, especially because you meet her with her hair shaved, and obviously she has very large eyes. Oh, yeah, you eyes. kind of meet her at her worst. Yeah, and she has very large eyes. But she does look w- weirder when she's healthy. When she has hair, it's like... Oh, okay, I've got to adjust to that. You're I will, I will to say her. that, like, uh, yeah, the the witch story. Yeah. Where she just plays one of her friends. Yeah. And she's just made up to look like one of her friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. You, it's she weird. does stand out. Yeah. But yeah, Samantha Sloyan. 
they hoodwinked me with Samantha Sloyan. Okay. Because at first, she's clearly cast to be very not Bev. Yes. And I thought... Well, like, she's obviously Bev, though. Well, no, I didn't, because here's the thing. I, right, I know that any character that's that friendly are going to be up to no good. Yeah. Is going to be up to no good. But it was an effective double bluff, because I, I kind of, in, in a way, my familiarity with TV, it, like, made me dumber about it, because I thought, <laughs> oh, he, Mike Flanagan wants to show the actress's range. Right. So he's cast her in the opposite type of role. Okay. So that, like, because I was thinking that far into the production of it, yeah, it actually hoodwinked me when okay. she turned out to be Bev. <laughs> you know, not Bev, but, like, you know, a villain. Yeah. Um, That's the thing. They got me. Once she's been Bev, why would you not make her Bev again? Well, absolutely. But she was good as not Bev as well. She so, was? yeah, she, she's, like, a nice lady. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh. like, she, she has a hat and she likes water and yeah. stuff. You know. Nice person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got me with that. Yeah, if we're talking, like, a five-star system, this is, like, a 3.5, I would say. Okay. With the trappings of a four. Okay. It looks like a four, and it sometimes feels like a four. Hmm. But I think it, it is diminished by the anthology aspect of it. Yeah. I, but it's weird. Like, maybe there's a tumor Ooh. pressing on my jubilance gland. Right. But, um, I don't know. I watched it, and I just kind of thought... It's a rare moment where I didn't really like something. I, I liked it, but I didn't really like it. Okay. And I think, ah, oh, go on, watch it anyway. It's fine. Okay. You know what I mean? We're like, it's not for me. It's not for me, but hey, licorice all sorts. <laughs> and like, I recommend it to people. It, it's weird. Like, I, I, I didn't like it that much. I feel like Mike Flanagan's done enough that that's you, the thing. You, you, you can trust them even when it's he's not like before. This is weak best. Flanagan, and it's pretty, and it's still pretty good. Yeah. And there are some things that are really good mm. about it. Yeah. I think it's a good gateway for teens. It's like if, if you want to get into horror or into Flanagan, you can start with this. Because it's not bad. I, I'm not saying it's like, oh, it's the essence of him. Yeah. But I'm saying because it's not his best thing, mm. start with the thing that's not as good. Don't start with Midnight Mass. And no, absolutely this. not. Well, I think, yeah. yeah, I think if you're not accustomed to, what word do we come up with? Not intellectual horror because it's not intellectual, and it's, it's, it's emotional no, it's, horror. It's quite. It's more like that though. It's it's more like emotional. It's like character horror. It's yeah, because Midnight Mass is like almost purely that. Yeah. It, it, well, it's it's it, horror, but with a real, yeah, a real emotional through line. Yeah. And you really care about the people. Yeah. There and, is a horrific climax to that show. Yeah, yeah. But it's emotional horror that drives a lot of it well the climax is horrific because it's sad yes that's the thing yeah because yeah. you l- like you love the characters yeah it, yeah there's a lot of pa- like pathos horror I don't like do you know what I mean yeah. it's like you really feel there needs to be a word yeah. for it but yeah Midnight yeah. Mass is, is strongly that yes um, Hill House is strongly that Hill House is strongly that but I feel like Hill House has wider appeal and I would say Hill House is I don't know actually Midnight Mass is more out there it's yeah. like, oh, that was the thing he always wanted to do. Yeah. That was his... Apparently, he always wanted to do this as well. Um, he always wanted to, ad- to adapt that book. Okay. But it's not pure Mike Flanagan. No, no, yeah. Um, Midnight Mass is... Okay, he was born to do Midnight Mass. Yeah. I always thought of Hill House as a drama with some horror in it. Mm. I like that show. Not, I'm not a horror fan, particularly. No. I like Hill House because of the characters and the sto- the emotional story of it. Yeah. It's like six feet under with supernatural scary elements. Yeah. And Midnight Mass is just a fucking masterpiece. I need to rewatch. I, I just, I just got so excited because I haven't watched At the that. prospect of rewatching it. Yeah, because okay. it, it was so weird. Like that came out from my stomach. 
Yeah, no. Uh, but this is definitely in that same camp of it's you like the characters, mm. it's emotional. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I would recommend How'd it to people. Do it? What? How'd he do it? Because <laughs> it's not it's not like with I don't know, Breaking Bad, like, oh you grow to love Jesse and No, it's like, oh, it's the new miniseries, you're gonna love all these characters, you're gonna love all these ca- Yeah. How'd he do that? <laughs> what is your secret? <laughs> I would like to know a secret. when's he sleep is what I want to know. <laughs> Because yeah. he's got another the Midnight Club, and he's got um, the next thing he's he's got on Netflix is House of Usher, full of the House of Usher, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just and films, yeah, he's got films he's still making shit, yeah. yeah, absolutely, good for him, good for him, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know, like I feel like if I were to recommend this, I would say the same thing about Blind Manor, which is make this one of the first things you watch. I agree. You don't want this to come after Midnight Mass. Yeah. This is one of those ones where, like, it's not Prey, where it's like, oh, I guess I would technically be a positive... It, I wholeheartedly, it's a positive review. Okay. It's just not as good as that, uh, the other things he's done. No. It's, out of ten, it's like a six or a six and a half. Was it ever going to be... Did we deserve... Do we deserve no. the thing that he made after Midnight Mass to be better than Midnight There's Mass? There's no need... Obviously, you want everything to be great. There's no need for it to be as good as Midnight Mass, because... Midnight Mass is peerless yeah. for what it is, and it's a, it's a year after. It's not like yeah. it, it's not like a filmmaker that Paul Thomas Anderson like five years will do another one, mm. two, three years. No, like he's doing a show a year. Yeah, and they're all like, and they're all pretty pr- good. They're all pretty damn good, yeah. and a couple of them are masterpieces. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't need Midnight Club to be five stars. No, it's fine, but. There are things he could do in the second season to improve. Oh, absolutely! I'm gonna. I'm like excited to watch the, the next season. Hmm. I liked it. I just didn't love it. Yeah, but we recommend it. Yeah, I, I yeah. recommend it as well. Okay, I think that's everything. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Okay. That's all we have for you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See you next time. Bye bye then. Bye.